we're going to get a whistle. We got another fight out here. This may be Rick Hayward. Hayward's going with the right hand. Can't tell who it's with. It may be Royer, or is it LaRue? Oh, do they, these guys are tossing them, too. It's gate 10 Royer. And Rick Hayward now trying to get even, or trying to pull a hand free. They've got a good hold on one another. This is, what, our third scrap here this evening? Yeah. The third fight? And Rick's a left-hander. This guy better watch out if he... He's got a left there. Gate 10 Royer may have picked on the wrong guy here. I think Hazy's been wanting to go with somebody yeah, else. Yeah, he's been uh, frustrated. Oh, Hazy, oh, he just dropped him with a left hand. Wow. The uppercut left drops Royer like a ton of bricks. Uh, he, he's, uh, you're done. Good night. Yeah, you're done. And Rick Hayward will go off. Oh, now, and he turns to the bench, and somebody on the bench took a shot. Now it's a free-for-all. Out in front of the Indianapolis bench, the players in a bench are all involved. Rick Hayward turned and went to say something to the guy on the guys on a bench, and one of them took a shot at him, and then it broke out again. Nystrom, Nystrom's really getting some good right hands in. Gillies is down with Sandstrom. Somebody better help Sandstrom. Everyone must be held accountable for their actions. You cannot see your star carried out in a stretcher and do nothing about it. Oh my, did Mick plant one on C-Card, wow. You can't put a bounty on a man's head. I just did. Spinning, spinning, who's he going to go after? But just a minute, Al Arbor has won mm -hmm. four Stanley Cups, so don't start telling Al Arbor what to do, you and John Davison. This is Coliseum Chronicles The Penalty Box, your source for Islanders Enforcer Talk. I'm your host, Joe Lazito. So welcome to episode 66, actual episode 86, part two of my chat with Rick Hayward. First of all, uh, please allow me to thank everybody who uh, sent me messages or texts, uh, DMs, the feedback uh, for part one of my interview with Rick. It was really amazing, really humbling. Um, I really appreciate everybody who took the time to reach out. Um, I keep saying it, uh, Rick was an amazing guest and, um, you know, just like Matt Karkner was an amazing guest and everybody that came before these two guys and the show really is nothing without the players. And, uh, like I always say, nobody's, nobody's tuning in to listen to me and uh, I love getting the feedback really um it's humbling because I just uh uh I think Darren 
uh, fourth line voice, Darren always says, it's nice to know there's someone listening on the other end. And and it really is. And um, like I said, for those of you who reached out and sent me some feedback on uh, part one of uh, the Rick Hayward episode, I really appreciate it. And, and as I always say, um, the feedback from the family, I mean, that really is, is when it hits home because uh, family, friends, uh, ex-teammates, these are the people that know the guests better than anybody and uh, especially family. And when you get feedback from family, it really, there, there's nothing better because um, family will know if you're full of shit. And uh, the fact is that uh, I was really fortunate enough. I had a nice conversation uh, with Rick's daughter, Bianca, uh, his son, Bo, uh, his sister, Jackie, uh, Rick himself sent me a message saying that he listened to part one with his dad and that his dad loved it. And, I mean, you just can't beat that. It's really amazing um, to think that, uh, you know, just of, of <laughs> like for me, it's amazing that people would sit down and listen to this and, and, and that know Rick that uh, are his flesh and blood and uh, and are impressed by what we did. It, it truly is something that is very humbling to me. And uh, I want to thank everybody. I want to thank Bianca, Bo, Jackie, uh, Rick for sending me the message about his dad. Uh, really, really humbling stuff. And uh, I hope that uh, everybody enjoys this part too. This was, uh, you know, uh, I said it, This we basically chatted for five hours. So this was also done the same night as part one. And uh, I didn't want to release five hours. I don't know how many people would sit and listen to that. So this is part two, recorded the same night as part one. And I hope that you people enjoy it. And, uh, you know, thanks again to everybody who sent me feedback. Um, if you like what you're listening to, if you don't mind, please subscribe to the show. Uh, depending on the platform, if you could like it, rate it, and review it, that would be great. Uh, it just helps give the show greater visibility. And, um, you know, as I always say, you know what? I'm going to stop saying, as I always say, because I think, let's see, how far am I? I'm three minutes in. I think I've said that four times. So um, because shows like mine were the mom and pop shows, uh, word of mouth, uh, ratings, reviews, all that stuff helps build the show, build the higher profile for the show. So anything that uh, that you could do, it doesn't take a lot of time. I would really appreciate that if you're so inclined. If you're on social media and you want to follow the show on Twitter, the show Twitter is at Kali Sinbin Pod. If you're on Facebook, you can go to facebook.com slash Coliseum Chronicles Podcast. And if you're on Instagram, you can go to Coliseum underscore Chronicles underscore Podcast. Um, like I, oh, I almost said it again. If you're if you enjoy the content of the show, you will enjoy the content of the social media. I will leave it at that. Um, if you are interested in Coliseum Chronicles, the penalty box merchandise, please scroll down slightly past the episode description of this very episode that you're listening to, and you will see two links. One link is for the original logo merchandise, and one link is for the alternate logo merchandise. Uh, you can f- click on either link, and the it, it, I'm sorry, something just chimed in my ear, so I was distracted for a minute. Click on either link, and uh, it's two separate stores for the two separate logos. Uh, Teespring did not allow me to combine it into one. Uh, and if you see anything you like in there, please, I want you to use code HAZY20, H-A-Y-Z-I-E-2-0. 
Hazy20 will get you 20% off any and all items that you'd like to purchase in the Coliseum Chronicles The Penalty Box merchandise store. And that code is good through October 18th, 2021. I don't think I said it. That is a listener-exclusive discount available only to those of you who've taken the time to listen to this episode. So that's code HAZY20 in either of the merchandise stores, 20% off your entire order. And if you like what you see in the merchandise store, that's because the logo is phenomenal, drawn by local Long Island artist Joe Marisich. If you're interested in hiring Joe for any art project that you have, please reach out to Joe on Twitter at GraphicsJoker or at LoudEgg.com. Joe, he's a maestro with the pen, with the pencil, with the paintbrush, whatever art utensil he uses, he's amazing. So please reach out to Joe for all your art project needs. The Fourth Line Voice podcast, I've already mentioned my friend Darren. Uh, He is the OG of the Enforcer podcasting industry. Uh, his latest episode, well, his latest episode was today, the Sunday shit show, which I'm going to listen to, uh, later on and I uh, haven't listened yet, but his latest episode, which was came out Wednesday was his five toughest opponents with Chris McAllister. Everybody knows big Chris McAllister, uh, really good. Listen, Chris is, you know, what you might expect if you've never heard him in an interview, you know, Chris McAllister is a monster of a man and he's really soft-spoken, really humble. And, uh, you know, him and Darren had good rapport going and um, really, really good. I think um, I think they grew up together. I don't maybe not on the same block, but maybe they went to rival schools or something. And I think they played football together. And I don't know if Darren used to just like pancake this guy. Uh, so I don't know if uh, I don't know something like that. Reach out to Darren and ask him. I think Darren used to dominate Chris McAllister in uh, in football in uh, Saskatchewan as uh, high schoolers. But uh, I could be wrong, maybe middle school, whatever it is. But I think it was just uh, pure domination on the on the part of Darren going up against Christmas. Uh, easy for me to say, Chris McAllister. So uh, so Darren is a proud member of the Hockey Podcast Network. I am not on the network, but the the powers that be there are very good to me. So I'm happy to to plug the network. Darren comes out with two episodes a week, Wednesdays and Sundays. Like I said, Sundays. Sunday shit show should be a good one today. I will listen to it before the Bills take on the Chiefs later on. And uh, let's see, where's that? Okay, also, um, YouTube has been removing hockey fight content left and right lately. I, I think they may have slowed down a little bit. They were uh, going fast and furious for uh, a little bit there. But uh, Darren's fourth line voice YouTube channel is still up and going strong. Make sure you check that out. I believe he's up up he's definitely over 2500 maybe 2600 at this point um if you have watched the hockey fight on youtube chances are it has been on the fourth line voice youtube channel all leagues all players handy dandy search function there for you so you want to go in and uh put in a name i don't think he has any highlights of him pancaking chris McAllister though he may have might have to upload those next um excuse me see I, i don't have any water with him all right Fight for Fighting podcast with Alec down in Florida, dubbed part-time Oli. Sorry, Alec. I love that. That is tremendous. Um, Alec did not have a new episode this week, so take this opportunity to check out his back catalog. Some really, really great guests. His latest episode that is available was his Facebook Live episode with British sensation John Searson. That was a good one. John's a good dude. Alec is a good dude. So it was a fun conversation to listen to. Um 
And that conversation took place uh, on the Enforcer Appreciation page on Facebook. So Facebook has all these groups. Uh, there is no shortage of uh, hockey fight groups, hockey enforcer groups. I think I'm member. I'm a member of maybe seven or eight of them. Um, the Enforcer Appreciation, I think, has the most members, but I'm not sure. Uh, I can't say that for sure, but I think so. And Alex started it, I think, a few years ago. Uh, I think it's well over 13,000 members. So if you're not a member of that group, you may want to check it out. Uh, also, <laughs> I, I I say it every week. I'm going to have to check in with my pal Bobby Longgrass, but uh, check out the Bucket Drop podcast. Now I have to say I'm not sure if he's coming back or not because we are mere days away from the start of the NHL season. He has not put out any content. So I will continue to pester you to check out his show until he tells me otherwise. But uh, I will definitely have to reach out to Bobby this week and find out what the status of the Bucket Drop podcast is. But check out his back catalog and uh, and I will keep you posted. So as regular listeners or friends of mine know, I do collect... Um, game used gear from uh, hockey hockey players hockey enforcers uh, mostly centering around the islanders and um, i'm going to hammer you with this every week until i track it down somewhere out there is an islanders number 48 most likely with the name on back removed excuse me i'm so sorry um dean ewan game worn jersey that he wore probably in one or two training camps with the Islanders, wore in some exhibition games with the Islanders. I've posted a picture of him fighting David Maley from the Coliseum. Uh, that's the jersey. So it's a, it's a white number 48. I'm trying to track that down. If anybody on here has any leads, please let me know. Uh, but it doesn't it doesn't just have to be uh, Dean Ewan stuff, although that is always a top priority. My guest today, Rick Hayward. Uh, any Anybody out there has any uh, game-used items of Rick? I would love to add him to the collection if you look in the trade or uh, donate, so to speak. Uh, I'd love to add some stuff. Uh, Rick will laugh at this because uh, he told me about something he gave away to a couple of fans one night, and I almost threw up. So it was a very funny story. I will say that, but that's Rick's story to tell. Nothing obscene. It's nothing obscene, but it is. <laughs> it's pretty gross. So uh, I don't want any of that stuff, Rick. <laughs> no thanks. But uh, but yeah. So anything, any uh, any items, sticks, helmets, gloves jerseys of anyone that has uh, played for the Islanders or their affiliates. Uh, if you have something you're looking to get rid of, uh, you know, reach out to me. Uh, maybe it's something that we can work out. I would appreciate that. So I have a few talking points this weekend that I would like to uh, like to bring up before we get to uh, part two of my chat with Rick Hayward. Uh, first and foremost, for my uh, Canadian friends, I want to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, for dual citizens, you got your first Thanksgiving and then uh, you get your uh, American Thanksgiving next month. So happy Thanksgiving to all my Canadian friends. And to my uh, Italian brothers and sisters, I want to wish everybody a wonderful, wonderful, happy Columbus Day, not only to to my Italian brothers and sisters, but also to everyone who's offended by Columbus. I want to wish you a happy Columbus Day as well. Happy Columbus Day, everybody. That, of course, is uh, Monday the 11th. And uh, well, I believe that's also Canadian Thanksgiving is, is Monday the 11th. But happy Columbus Day to my paisans. And, uh, you know, and if you're offended, especially happy Columbus Day to you as well. Happy birthday. Today is 
October 10th. Happy birthday to the legend, Bob Nystrom. I uh, I mentioned a couple episodes ago that I got to meet Bob. Uh, hopefully the wheels are in motion where I can get him on the show. Um, sent him an email this week. I haven't heard back. I don't exactly know how active he is um, on his emails or whatever, but I don't know if he has a secretary, whatever, but an email was sent this week. So hopefully the wheels will be in motion. But the legend, Mr. Islander, Bob Nystrom, his birthday is today, October 10th. And happy birthday to Mr. Islander. Earlier this week, Andrea and I went on a tour of the new UBS arena. And oh my God, that place is unbelievable. I mean, it's going to be unrivaled. I mean, I, I haven't been to... Uh, a lot of the newer arenas that have been built in the NHL in the last few years. So I really can't compare them, but wow, this place is going to be, I mean, palatial. Maybe that's a good adjective for it, but um, it's, it's going to be unbelievable. And I can't wait until everybody gets to see, I can't wait to see it, see it finished. I mean, it's just, un, it's, I, I keep saying unbelievable. It is absolutely phenomenal and i can't wait for uh, for opening night it's going to be absolutely amazing uh my wife i think posted pictures and she may have uh tagged me on facebook so if you check my facebook feed uh you'll see some pictures of pictures of me with the uh the orange vest and the uh, construction helmet so i guess basically all i needed was the cop the cowboy and the indian and i could start a i could start a musical band uh you know i'd be the construction worker obviously but uh i look goofy but that's okay <laughs> I I just I don't know where to begin here. I I just don't. It's just it's, it's something that if you listen regularly, you know it's something that drives me crazy. So the Islanders ended their preseason last night against the Rangers and um they the beat writers put out the lineup before the game and basically said that Trot said this lineup could very well be the lineup on opening night which is this Thursday against Carolina. And of course, uh, Ross Johnston was in Matt Martin's spot on that fourth line. Matt Martin is recovering from, I believe, ankle surgery. Uh, he is skating, so I don't know if he'll be ready for Thursday, but if he isn't, Ross Johnston will step in. So of course, of course, between Isles Twitter and Hockey Twitter, that's when the whining starts about Ross Johnston. It just, it's the same horseshit over and over and over again from these new age people. They just don't get it. These are people that they don't want Ross Johnston in the lineup. They want panic. The guy they got from Detroit, I think he came from. Well, Ross Johnston, he can't do this. He can't do that. Well, guess what? And I have nothing against panic. But Panic was put on waivers yesterday, and he cleared. And I think the whole Ross Johnston thing this week surfaced because Elliot Friedman had uh, put in his column how the Islanders are very cognizant of the fact that if they were to put Ross Johnston, and it's Johnston, by the way, for all you nerds that write Johnson, um, the Islanders are very cognizant of the fact that if they put Ross Johnston on waivers, he is most likely going to get claimed. There is interest out there for Ross Johnston. And the guy that people wanted to take his place on the roster, Panic, well, he cleared waivers. So I know all these people on social media, all these uh, insiders, these wannabe insiders, and these wannabe bloggers, and these wannabe writers, 
that have such strong opinions of Ross Johnston. I know, I know you folks know more than Lou Lamarillo, and I know that you folks know more than Barry Trotz. But for a second, for one second, please take a breath and admit maybe they know more than you. Maybe there's a reason why they like this guy. Okay, it it's just you you folks. It's the same song and dance every time Ross Johnston comes up, and it's just it's juvenile. Just grow the fuck up. Ross Johnston is here. If they put him on waivers, he's getting claimed. Sorry, that doesn't fit your narrative that there's no room in hockey for Ross Johnston. It's a fact, though. Sorry. He's an Islander. He's going to be an Islander. And if he's not an Islander, it's because they tried to slide him through waivers and he was claimed. So tough shit for you whiny babies that don't want Ross Johnston here. Guess what? If Matt Martin is not ready to go on Thursday, Ross Johnston should be the winger on that fourth line. And uh, it's a double-edged sword for me because I love Matt Martin and I love Ross Johnston. So I don't want to say I hope Ross Johnston is in the lineup. Because then that means Matt Martin isn't ready. I want one of those guys in the lineup. So if if Matty's ready, you know he's going to be in that spot. And if he's not ready, there's nobody on the roster I want in that spot more than number 32. So there you go. Similarly, these same people who don't get it, who think that they know the game better than people who have been around a long time and have made a lot of money in hockey, why is there still fighting in hockey? Why? Why is there? St- What's the point? Why is there still fighting? And and the better one for people around a certain age, my age, why are they even fighting in the preseason? What's the point? So obviously we're talking about uh, Generation Z who has no idea what the preseason used to look like when players were literally, literally fighting for jobs that is what the preseason used to be about you'd have you'd have fight fests what do i always talk about that islander ranger rookie game that had a million fights in the first period go back and look at a box score from a preseason game 10 years ago 20 years ago 30 years ago they're a mile long because this is when it gave players an opportunity to show not only what they can do to their team but to the opposing team and to other teams who may be scouting. This is what the exhibition season used to be about for a a decent, I don't want to say high percentage, a decent percentage of rostered players that did not want to go back to the American League or the IHL or the East Coast League. It was their opportunity to show the brass at the top what they can do. And for many of these players, it was fighting. So when you say... What's the point of fighting in the preseason? You sound like an ass because some of these guys need to show what they can do. I don't understand why this is such a difficult concept for these the the analytics crowd or the the generation Z people or or millennials. I just I don't understand why you you folks just resist accepting this. That this is still a part of the game. Is it a big part of the game? Unfortunately, no. But really, this is why guys fight in the exhibition games. To get noticed. And if they play one game and they get their name on the score sheet, that's what they're supposed to do. 
And that leads me to the first installment of the 2021-22 Islanders slash Bridgeport fight report. We have our first entry. It happened yesterday. And uh, before the Islanders played the Rangers, the uh, Bridgeport Islanders, which I'm never going to get used to saying, played the Hartford Wolfpack. And the first entry for this season was a previous guest of the show, Mike Cornell, took on son of previous guest of the show, Danny LaCroix's kid, Cedric LaCroix. Now, Cedric, I believe, signed with the Indy Fuel, but I believe he's on a PTO with Hartford. Now, Mike Cornell, I believe, should be on Bridgeport this year. I don't believe he is slated to go to back to Worcester. I think he should be a regular with the Islanders this year. Cedric Lacroix, former Sound Tiger, also a former Sound Tiger, he needs to make an impression with the Wolfpack Brass, the Ranger Brass. So he played two games against Bridgeport. I know in the first game he got a cross-checking penalty. I don't know if that was if the fight yesterday was due to any residual effects of the cross-check. I don't know how serious it was. It was just two minutes. But, you know, these guys, they have long memories. So Cedric Lacroix, two games ago, cross-checked someone on Bridgeport. The next, next game, Mike Cornell and Cedric Lacroix dropped the gloves. So here you have two guys trying to impress the coaches that are right there on the benches that they're on and the brass upstairs by, by doing stuff. I don't know if people have seen Cedric Lacroix play a lot. The guy's a buzzsaw. He's out there. He's like a maniac out there. He doesn't take a backward step against anybody, no matter how big they are. And he, he makes things happen. He's an exciting player to watch. It'd be great for him to, to end up in Hartford. Uh, Gertson was claimed by the devil. So I don't know if the Hartford has any sort of presence down there and uh sweet Seti, as his um, social media name is, uh, he would be a welcome addition to Hartford, especially because it looks like Bridgeport is going to have Mike Cornell this year. They're going to have Seth Helgeson this year, and they're going to have Andy Andreoff this year. And I don't know about the other teams in the division, but if, if Bridgeport's going to carry three guys that can and will drop the gloves, Hartford needs somebody. And uh, Cedric will make things happen out there. So um, this this is also... Uh, something to lend credence to my argument why there's fighting in the preseason it doesn't matter the level people are here to make an impression so kudos to Cedric Lacroix and kudos to Mike Cornell for doing what they have to do to make an impression finally finally with the season starting on Thursday I know the one thing everybody has been waiting for is my Stanley Cup prediction. Now, I, at my age, 51, I tell people all the time, I am biased, and I don't care. But at least my prediction this year, it could happen. I mean, it's not like uh, I'm predicting the Islanders to win the Stanley Cup during the Fisherman era. But my Stanley Cup prediction this year, and uh, I think it was my prediction the last few years. My Stanley Cup prediction this year, and uh, get used to it. The New York Islanders will defeat the Winnipeg Jets in six games. That's my prediction, my Stanley Cup prediction. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily go bet any money on it. Uh, as you are well aware, the Islanders are my team, and uh, Winnipeg is my number two team. 
So, um, so that's my Stanley Cup prediction. Fortunately, what they play in different conferences, um, so uh, so it's easy. It's easy when you got the Islanders in the Wales Conference and you got the Jets in the Campbell Conference. They could play each other in the finals. So that's my prediction. Do not put any money on it based on my prediction, but you know it could happen. Absolutely, they're both going to make the playoffs, and, uh, and that's all you need. So now let's see. I have yammered, 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 yammered for about 25 minutes. So now it is time to get back to the man of the hour, uh, Rick Hayward. Uh, <laughs> I, I hope you you listened to part one, and uh, I hope you enjoyed it because I know you people are going to enjoy part two right now with Hazy, Rick Hayward. How'd you end up signing with the Islanders? Um. Well, so L.A., like I told you before, had New Haven and Phoenix in their farm system, right? So they 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 had to get rid of – they were getting rid of one of their farm teams that year. Mm-hmm. So this is all – this is all – I didn't know this. And Mark Peroni was my agent. Anybody that had one year left on their contract got a termination contract from L.A. that summer because they had to liquidate 25 contracts, right? They had to get rid of 25 guys. So anybody eligible for a uh, a termination contract, which means you're allowed to go out and shop yourself until I think it's July 15th or something or, or end of July to any team in the league. Uh, otherwise, if you're under contract, you're not allowed to do that. But when you get when you're given a termination contract, you can either shop yourself or you can opt to play out that next year with the team you're with. Mm-hmm. So I got a termination contract. I open it up and I'm, I I didn't understand what it what it meant, you know. Yeah. And I'm like, what the hell is this? I said I just I, I got called up. They you know they they were pretty happy with me from the year I had in Phoenix. I felt good about LA, you know. Mm-hmm. So I called. I called my agent right away. I called Mark. I said, Mark, I just got a termination contract in the mail here. What, what's that mean? So he explained it. He said, you know, you can look around and, uh, or you can opt to play in, in, in LA, go back to LA for your last year of the contract. And I said, he said, what do you want to do? I said, well, fuck, start shopping, man. I said, uh, you know, they must not want me, you know? So two days later he calls me, he said, Hey, the Islanders want to sign you. And he said, what do you want to do? I said, Sign with them. Yeah. I said, I want to sign with them today. And he's like, okay, we'll do the deal. I signed with the Islanders about a month later. At that time, I, I, I forget her name, but the secretary in LA basically ran the show there. I, I, I'm sorry. I forgot her name, but I knew that there was some pictures of, uh, of me and Wayne that I wanted, you know, in the office. Mm-hmm. And I want a picture of me and Wayne, uh, you know, skating together or, or whatever, right? Anything with Wayne, right? Yeah, of course. Um, so anyway, I called this lady and she answered. She And she goes, I said, it's Rick Hayward. And uh, she said, Rick, what are you doing? And I said, what do you mean? What am I doing? She said, why did you sign with New York? I said, because you guys sent me a termination contract. She goes, Rick, we sent everybody that was eligible a termination contract. And I said, well, did I said, did Mark Peroni call you and, and figure out what was going on? Mm-hmm. And she said, no, we never heard from Mark. And next thing we know, you're signing with New York. Oh, wow. And I'm like, Mark never called you and to find out. She goes, Rick, you were slated in. You were, you were on our, you were on our make the team list this year. No kidding. 
And I'm like, please don't tell me that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, she's like, you're slated to have a great shot at, at staying here this year. Uh, the year before I got sent down, like the first year in LA, I got sent, I was the last guy sent down. Mm-hmm. Um, I got sent down after the, after the, uh, the waiver draft, they picked up Rod Buskis, mm-hmm. I think from Pittsburgh and Rod took the seventh defenseman spot. So I got sent down, but I was there right to the end the year before. And she said, this year you, you were slated to, to be here. Oh, wow. Anyway. I called Mark and I'm like, Mark, dude, uh, you're fired. I, yeah. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm sorry, but you know, you didn't call. And he said, no, I didn't call. I just started shopping. He said, you told me to start shopping. I said, well, I, I would figured you'd call LA if I know what's going on. Right. Like, right. anyway, anyway, water under the bridge, Joe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, so, so oh, that's how ahead. I signed. That's how okay. I signed with New York. Uh, I signed. Uh, uh, I had a termination from LA and signed with New York. Well, you get to training camp with the Islanders, and um, one of your uh, teammates that would be a teammate with you in Capital District uh, reached out. I reached out to a few of your old teammates there. Uh, Graham Townsend told me to. Uh, he said, "Ask Rick about the first time we fought in training camp, and he kicked my ass." He was one of the <laughs> toughest guys I've ever known, and it was a pleasure and honor to play with him. So, uh, what do you oh, remember uh, the first time you fought in training camp and you kicked his ass? Uh, yeah, I do. <laughs> um, like I was, uh, uh, you know, to look at Graham, like he's a he's a towering big man, right? Yep. I saw him, and uh, the first game was against his team, and we bumped each other behind the net, and and uh, you know. He was doing his thing. I was doing my thing and we, we got at it there. Yeah. I mean, it went, it went well, <laughs> yeah. uh, but I'll tell you, Graham is a, a class act, dude. Oh, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. uh, this guy, I, uh, the rest of that year, you know, like everybody knows the stories about, uh, you know, the shit he went through with his, uh, with the racism stuff and all that. Yeah. Uh, but I, I was so deep in his corner, man. I, uh, I loved, I loved Graham and I still do. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, he's just a class act, and uh, he's 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 a wonderful guy, man. Yep. Uh, you also ran into Alan Kerr at training camp. I don't know. Did did I run into was that Alan Kerr? Um, That's what you said. Oh, I, I I fought Alan Kerr in Winnipeg. Oh, okay, okay. A couple years that... later, a couple right. years later, when I was in Winnipeg's camp, I I fought Al. All right, so we'll put a pin in that until next yeah. season. So I did ask you. I ran to Mick. <laughs> oh, tell! Oh, you didn't tell me that. Tell me about running into Mick. Well, I, I ran into him twice, actually. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, we fought twice, and uh, yeah, we had a couple good fights there, boy. Mm-hmm. It was uh, it was good. Yeah. Well, you know, he's the resident guy at the time, so uh, why that not guy. I'll tell you, the toughest? That, that guy. He was a busy human. He was a busy yeah. fighter, boy. And boy. Uh, you know, I appreciate him fighting me in training camp. He didn't have to do that at that point in his career, you know. Yeah, this is the part of the interview that I always like to play sort of name association, especially because this is the time you're with the Islanders. So I want to uh, I want to throw out some names. I want you to tell me any uh, any memories you may have of playing with them or or just anything in general. So um, so the first name I want to throw out is Dean Chenouth. Yeah, Chinny was, uh, you know, he was a tough kid. He, he's one of those guys that, you know, like a lot of us injuries uh, at, at bad times. You know, I think I think Chinny had a lot in him. Uh, but he had some nasty injuries there and, and really held him back. Uh, but what a great guy, what a, what a fantastic teammate and uh funny guy. 
and uh, he he was a Western boy, you know, stick up for you. He, he's in your he's in your foxhole, right? So mm-hmm. well, it was a it, it was a pleasure uh, playing with Chinny. Yeah, there's a bunch of Western boys on this list. Uh, next one is uh, Dave Chizowski. Yeah, Chizer was a uh, was a funny guy. He uh, he could shoot the pill like crazy, man. Like he had an unbelievable shot. He had he I think I, he was a first rounder, right? Yeah, he, he was the third overall pick or se- second overall pick, and uh, in my opinion, they they rushed him too soon. So yeah, I I, I think he's one of those guys that got um, uh, Jose Charbonneau type guy. Mm-hmm. You know, they rushed him. Tried to tried to maybe he wasn't ready mentally or whatever. Chiz had lots and lots of talent, and uh, he, he just he got kind of lost in a the shuffle there in New York. I think uh, great another, guy. I loved him. I, I funny, awesome teammate, man. Yeah, well, he's still funny, by the way. He's still a very very funny guy. Uh, oh yeah. Yep. Uh, another Western boy, Kevin Dayoff. Yeah, Chevy was hurt a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you yeah. know, he had he had. You know, the guy was 23 at the time, 24. He looked like he was 40, you know. Um, his knees were all tore up. You know, he had lost a step because of his injuries, his knee injuries. Uh, another first-rounder, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Yeah. And Chevy is a class act, always been. Um, his his wife is a wonderful lady. Uh, they're just they're just a class act, those two. It was someone you mentioned earlier, Dean Ewan. What do you remember about playing with Dino? Yeah, unfortunately, Dino was uh, in his. You know, I'm, just, I'm seeing all these guys that are injured. Like, yeah. like we had, like seriously, we had lots of weird injuries in, yeah. in, in my time in New York. Mm-hmm. And and the guys in New York, the island, were all hurt at the time too. It was crazy. Yeah. But um, yeah, Dino was in his uh, one of those years where he didn't play much mm-hmm. uh, because he had just come off of wrist surgery. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't remember if his leg was broke before I was playing with him or after. Mm-hmm. I, uh, but yeah, Dean didn't play much when I was in uh, in in uh, Capital District with him. Mm-hmm. We lived in the same complex. Mm-hmm. Um, he he just wasn't around as as a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I I love Dino, mm-hmm. uh, funny funny guy, nice yep. guy, great guy, um, and uh, good teammate. Um, but I, unfortunately I'd never got a good feel for him as a teammate that played, you know, right. mm-hmm. because he just, he just wasn't. And when he did play, he was, you know, baby in his, his wrist or mm-hmm. cause he didn't want to break it again. He, it was fresh off the injury. Right. So I right. never got to see Dino at his top. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really can't comment mm-hmm. as a teammate Yeah. Uh, because I, I did play against him in junior, mm-hmm. you know, and I didn't play against him after that either. Right. Right. So I never got to see Dean at his at his, at his top uh, at his top, you know. John Blum. Oh my God. <laughs> he he. John Blum is a treat, my friend. Mm-hmm. He's a uh, Detroit boy, old timer, you know. Mm-hmm. Like he was an older guy at the time. This guy broke his toe during the playoffs. He had to get his toe shot up. What do they call it? The the freezing stuff, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Every game, he had to get his toe shot up before the game so he could play. And I'm telling you what, I don't know, Joe, if you've ever had your a, a needle in your toe. Yes, I have. Yes. It is not pleasant, dude. It sucks. Hey, there's some players that had to get that shot in their toe, and they said, forget it, I'm not playing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. John took a shot in the playoffs every other day for however long we were in the playoffs, man. Mm-hmm. He's one tough son of bitch, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Turbo, Dean Trebojevic. Uh, another guy, man, he came in and, uh, he blew his knee out 
soon after he got there. And uh, I never seen Dino. I never seen much of his playing ability because he got hurt. But Dean, uh, when he got hurt, um, I brought him to my house and we cooked for him for a couple of weeks while he was on the mend. Mm -hmm. And he and he lived on my couch basically. And uh, so I got to know Dino personally very well. And uh, very very funny guy. And uh, he used to love to do uh, Randy Savage, you know, the <laughs> WWF Randy Savage shit, man. It was hilarious. Well, if you remember the newlywed game where they would ask the one, one uh, spouse a question and then the other spouse had to match up the answer. So it's funny that you said what you said, because when I reached out to Turbo and I asked him about what he remembered about you, he said, I just have to say he was a good teammate that stuck up for his players big time. Off the ice, he loved a good laugh. He was the first one to take me to his home for a meal during the year. That was a cool thing when you live in a hotel during the year. And Turbo was a recent guest on the show, and he was kind enough to do his Macho Man imitation, and it was spot oh, on. No. Yeah, spot still on. Doing it. <laughs> yep, he was great. That's awesome. He still got it in him. So. Oh, yeah, man. He's a good kid, yeah. So, uh, all right. So before I ask you about the final name, I'm going to tell you what he said first. And see if you remember it. So uh, Wayne Doucette, another recent guest of the show, uh, he said he's not sure what he did, but he got you really good on a prank. And when he came out the next morning, there was a dirty diaper on his windshield, and it was pretty <laughs> gross. Uh, do you remember what he might have done that uh, you retaliated with a dirty diaper? I really don't. I okay. don't remember. Okay. Deuce was Deuce was famous for um, wearing cowboy boots and having no pants on by the end of the party night. Uh, <laughs> wherever wherever we were, he would end up buck naked with cowboy boots on, sitting in a, a, a lounge chair somewhere uh, with a beer in his hand. So um, I have no idea what Deuce did. He did a lot of stupid shit, and uh, but I do remember putting. My son was like one year old at the time, and. Uh, he had uh, soiled one of his diapers pretty good, and I, I, I left it for Deuce for, uh, for the morning skate. Well, you probably got the better of that uh, prank <laughs> yeah. off, I guess, you know. Right, uh, right. He, he did remember also that you sang Born in the USA at the Christmas party, at karaoke, and uh, he said that you're always joking around and prancing around. So, uh, so that's yeah. what, uh, what he remembered about you. Oh, well, that's, that's cool, man. When I he asked, was a great, he, he, he was a great teammate, man. Yeah. When I asked Dean Ewan what he remembered, he said the one thing that he stands out, and I, I don't remember, if I don't know if he said who it was against, but he said there was a game you guys played, and I think he said the air conditioner or the compressor broke, and you guys were basically playing in fog, and he remembered you scored a goal, like, from the other blue line. Uh, do you remember that? I do, man. That was crazy. Um uh, I, I remember, I remember the play exactly. I was skating up the ice and, uh, like the fog, like you could hardly see your, your own hands, you know, like, um, and I said, I, I said to myself, hell, I'm going to take a shot on net. You know, there's no way the goalie can see me. And I shot the puck from, from probably just inside my own blue line. Mm -hmm. And I waited and, uh, <laughs> it scored. It was crazy, man. That was, that was nuts. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's what uh, he said. He remembered that. So I can't even imagine if you're if you're shooting and the other and the goalie can't see. They're kind of like sitting ducks out there. Oh yeah, it was nuts. Like they should have called the game, but mm -hmm. uh, they hadn't yet. So yeah. I said, eh, I'm, I'm going to take a shot on that. What the <laughs> hell? Oh yeah. Uh, how'd you like playing for Butch? Oh man, 
best guy. Like, okay, so Paul Baxter, I said, was probably the best team coach that I ever played for. Butchie was a breath of fresh air for me personally. My first day, I got sent down. Um, I was probably, I, I think I was, you know, I, I was one of the later guys cut from camp. And I, I got to Capital District when they were about ready to start the season. And um, Butchie called me in his office after the first skate. And uh, he's like, uh, I, I, I didn't know what to expect, you know? Like, I'd watched him throughout his career and whatnot. You know, we were big fans. And uh, I walked in his office, and he's like, uh, I'll tell you what, Hazy. He said, uh, the first thing I used to do as a leader in, in the locker room is I used to look through the schedule of the games and find out when the hell we can have a Christmas party. <laughs> and and I, I was looking at him, like, waiting him for, for him to say something coachy. Mm-hmm. I mean, and instead, he, he started out our relationship with something to do with leadership. Mm-hmm. Because I think uh, Chris Pryor was there, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Uh, but he was in an assistant coach role. Yep. So it was tough for him to be the leader in the locker room. Right. And I, I think Butchie wanted to put me in that position to take control of, of the locker room. And so by him doing that, by him saying those words to me, it right away, it put me at ease with him. I felt like he, he had some trust in me already. You know, we had just met. So personally, Butchie was my favorite coach I ever played for. Wow. Good. It's good to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like I always say, whenever I interview someone who played for CDI, uh, for fans that don't know that weren't around, I think it's normal to think that, well, uh, the biggest rival had to be Binghamton because it's Islanders Rangers. When in reality, uh, the rivalry with Adirondack was vicious and violent and, uh, worse than any other rivalry that you guys had. And, uh, that year, you fought a, a few guys with the Adirondack. You fought Jimmy Cummins. You fought Gunnar Tomlinson. You fought Mark, Mark Podvin. Uh, just, I mean, you could talk about those fights, but also, can you kind of tell me about uh, just playing against them and, and the rivalry between the two teams? Like I said, Dean was was out, mm-hmm. uh, hurt. Uh, they called Turbo up. He was hurt. Really, I mean, besides Deuce, you know, I was the only tough guy in Capital District at the point, right? Mm-hmm. So we'd go into Adirondack. And uh, we'd be warming up, and I always stretched right at the red line. I, I would skate around, then I would get down on my you know hands and knees. I'd do some stretches right at the red line. Never cross it, by the way. Right, of course. Uh, in case a Western guy's playing on the other <laughs> exactly, team. Exactly, right? exactly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I, I would always stretch at the red line. I'd look over, there'd be like five heavyweights stretching at the red line next to me, you know? Yep. Uh, a Potvin, a Krupke, uh Vial was there a bit. Uh, I, I think he was there for yep. a while. Uh, uh, you know, um, who else do they have? Uh, Cummins, Tomlinson. Uh, yeah, Tomlinson, Cummins. I mean, and they would all stretch right next to me. You know, McCarty <laughs> was there. Uh, not McCarty, but uh, Primo. And I'd look over and I'd say, okay, boys, who's up first? You know, who's yeah. up first tonight? Oh, my God, it was a nightmare. But uh, so I, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you one funny story. Bob Wilkie was there. Mm-hmm. And... I, I don't know if Bob was tough. I, I don't. I don't know. I, I don't. He didn't remember. have the reputation. 
Yeah, like he didn't have a killer reputation or nothing. He, he wasn't like a, like a, you know, that tough. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't want to say anything bad about him. I right. don't know him, you know. Mm-hmm. But at the time, I didn't, I didn't know who he was. Right. Anyway, there was a, there was a, there was a trainer that Adirondack would lend visiting teams, mm-hmm. and his name was Donnie Woods. He was a, he was a little, little guy that would bring you water and, and clean up your locker room and help. He would help the trainer from the, from the visiting team. Right. But he was a pipeline. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. Donnie Woods was a little pipeline. So he would, he would come over and he became my best friend mm-hmm. for some reason. We, we just hit it off and I, I love the little guy, but anyway, one game, uh, I wasn't playing, but I was going out warm up. Uh, I was going to warm up. Uh, but I was hurt and I wasn't playing. There was a rumor going around that I was going to start a brawl in 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 the warm up because I wasn't playing. So Donnie Donnie comes to me about 15 minutes before warm up and he says, "Rick," he said, uh, "and was Barry Melrose the coach then?" Yep. Yeah. So he said, "Rick, Barry has told Bob Wilkie that he's responsible for you in warm up." Really? Oh yeah. And Bob Wilkie wasn't playing either. So he was, he was in a warm up and wasn't playing either, but he was responsible for me. So if, so if I got, if I started something, he had to jump in and fight me. Mm-hmm. So none of his regular guys get kicked out. Right. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I, I go out in the warm up and I'm eyeballing Bob Wilkie the whole warm up, <laughs> right. Skating around, eyeballing them. Everybody goes off the ice and warm up. Everybody, like everybody. Now it's me and Bob Wilson skating around <laughs> in our own zone, right? So, like, I skate to center ice, and I stop right at the dot at center ice. And I'm looking at him. I'm staring him down. And he comes over to me, and I'm sa- I said, Bob, you want you want to put on a show here? What What do you want to do? And he's like, fuck you, AZ. I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It was funny. He had no idea that, that, uh, that Donnie had... Uh, squeal them out there uh well it makes sense if he wasn't playing but in terms of their roster uh there's probably 10 guys i would have put in charge of you before bob wilkie but i guess <laughs> since he was also a scratch it made sense yeah right uh, i i he was like the uh sacrificial lamb i think <laughs> uh so anything memorable uh about those scraps with uh you know jimmy cummins gunner or um podvin anything uh memorable about those uh, yeah, Potsy was always tough, you know, um, he, he kind of got on me there. I didn't, I didn't, uh, uh, you know, he, he was quick. He was quick when he, when, when the fight was going to start, you had to be ready, you know, cause he was a quick guy to, to get the gloves off and get going. Mm-hmm. Um, with Jimmy Cummins, he was young, you know, uh, he, he was just learning the trade and, uh, he had come out of college, I believe. Yep. So we, we had a, we had a kind of a quick fight there. I, I, I hit him with a good one and, um. And it didn't end well there for him, but, um, but he became super tough, man. Like, yeah. uh, uh, you know, he, but th- those are the lessons you learn, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, that's how, that's how you become super tough by, yep. by, by getting, uh, by getting, uh, you know, uh, so Kirk Thomason was very, very, very tough, uh, tough, tough kid. And I, I really didn't know him too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, I, I had a thing with Daniel Shank. And Dan Shanks on their bench. Um, anyway, I was standing next to the bench, and, and Shanks lipping me from the bench, as he always does. Yep. I, I became friends with Dan after. We played together in Germany at the end of our career. Uh, that uh, That's a great story, too, by the way. Okay. Um, anyway, 
he was whipping me and uh, he said, Hazy, I, I, I got somebody for you, man. And he, he points at Tomlinson, you know, and, and so two shifts later, you know, on cue, we, we went ahead and, and, and did our thing. But mm-hmm. uh, that, that was a super good fight, man. That lasted a long time. And, uh, and it was a good fight. He, he's, he's a technical fighter and, and he throws, throws hard punches, you know, for, he's a smaller guy. He's, I, I think he's probably 5'11 or something, 5'10. And, yeah. and uh, he could throw some bombs, boy. So uh, how did you end up uh, with Winnipeg? Uh, with Winnipeg, um, I think I just saw right with Winnipeg. Uh, mm-hmm. There was there was a, a a scout that was watching. Uh, he was he was their East Coast uh, scout, uh, McCreary, I think his name was mm-hmm. Scott McCreary or John McCreary, something like that. But anyway, he uh, he basically uh, talked Winnipeg into signing me. He got me uh, signed by Winnipeg. So uh, this is the training camp where you and Alan Kerr locked horns. Uh, I obviously yeah. thought it was the Islanders, but uh, what do you remember about the uh, scrap with Alan Kerr? Well, I I don't I don't know that Alan uh, knew um, of me uh, of anything of me, but he was on a line with a couple Russian rookies. They were coming down on us three on two, and uh, the Russian rookie went off sides. After they blew the whistle, he shot the puck. So I give him a shot. You know, I. I punched him in the chest just to let him know not to do that. Mm-hmm. And of course, Alan Kerr come over and, and had to give me a shot, uh, to stick up for his teammate, his line mate. So nothing happened. Uh, so now the play goes down the other end, face off play goes down the other end. They break down. Now they're coming three on two again. And Alan Kerr has the puck. They go offside again. <laughs> and Alan Kerr shoots the puck at me oh. after, after they went off, after they blew the whistle. So, <laughs> so, so now it's on, right? Right off the hop, I lost my balance a little and kind of got on one foot. I don't know if he did. I think he did, but I think he eased up a little bit on me. Mm-hmm. He didn't he didn't throw me to the ground. Right. I think he wanted to he wanted me to stand up and and he wanted to fight. Mm-hmm. So he eased up a little, but when he eased up, I I I came hard with a shot and I hit him right in the cheek. He kind of buckled a little and I didn't hit him no more and we the fight was over. Anyway, after, after the skate, I went to the training room. My hand was hurt. Um, I went in the training room, and he's sitting on the training table with ice on his face. And I'm, I'm like, dude, sorry about your face, you know. And he's like, oh, man. He said, no problem. He said, I have never been hit like that. He said, that fucking, he said my head's still fucking ringing. <laughs> Joe, that guy, that guy got sent down. He got sent down to, uh, where were we in? Moncton. Moncton. He got sent to Moncton two months later for conditioning for a couple of weeks. Yeah. He walked in the locker room. He said, Hazy, my fucking face is still numb, dude. <laughs> <laughs> this is two months. I, I, you know, that there's a big nerve in your cheek that goes through your cheekbone. And I think I hit it just right. But, uh, yeah, his face was, was numb the whole season. I think <laughs> you had a pretty tough squad down there in uh, Moncton. One of the guys, Scott Levins, who you had actually fought the year before when you would see the eye, he was there. Uh, Craig Martin was there. Uh, Rob Murray always liked to stir the pot. Uh, oh, yeah. Kersey was there. Uh, Dallas Eakins. And a guy, Al Stewart, who was uh, probably one of the more interesting guys uh, that's ever played the game. Yeah, Al was, uh, man, Al was a super, super, super nice guy, man. Yeah, I, I could never figure Al out. You know, like he, uh, 
I know he had some trouble in, in uh, New Jersey there. Mm-hmm. He was just, he was a super good guy, mm-hmm. but I think circumstances uh, around the game yeah. uh, got to him in a way that wasn't healthy. You know, it's unfortunate that the game uh, eats some people up like that, you know, and, and yeah. spits you out. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't know what Al's doing now. Uh, he was a terrific teammate and a yeah. terrific guy. And, uh, you know, I, I loved every minute of being his teammate. I could never figure out where he, where he was, yeah. you know, like where he was, where he was coming from. Sometimes, uh, he was a, he was a tough hombre boy. Yeah. He would, he would fight anybody and all night long, whatever. Yeah. He was, he was tough. Uh, any memories of, uh, Martin or Scott Levins? Uh, yeah. Levy was a tough man. He was yeah. a big dude. Uh, he had a great fight in uh, training camp, um, that year. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget who it was against, um, maybe, maybe Craig Cox, but anyway, they fought for all night. It seems, uh, mm-hmm. they had a great fight. Uh, yeah. Levy was, uh, a, a great guy and, and tough, a big, big man. And Marty, Marty was a great guy too. Uh, we ended up putting <coughs> boxing gloves on in the locker room that year and we boxed mm-hmm. and, uh, we had a good time, good time doing that. And the boys enjoyed it. So, Yeah. Uh, actually when, again, I, I had trouble with the coach there. It was, uh, Robbie Laird, mm-hmm. really weird story. Like when I was in, so we were in training camp in Winnipeg and I was having a great camp, but the year before in New York, I had blown my back out and I had back surgery. I was petrified that summer that I wasn't going to be able to play anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. So I worked out like a fiend. Like I worked out like crazy. It was a, I was in the best shape I'd ever been in. I went to training camp in Winnipeg in top shape. We had uh, Winnipeg, Murray Eves was there in Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. And this guy was a triathlete, right? Like he was in shape like nobody's business. Uh, he did triathlons in the summer. I, I, my scores, my, my, my physical fitness scores that we trained, that we did, I was second to Murray Eves Wow! at that camp, uh, out of everybody at camp. Mm-hmm. So at the end of a, of a session, when we're on the ice, uh, I didn't know so I was brand new to Winnipeg. I didn't know the coach in, in, uh, I didn't know the coach in Moncton. I didn't know anything about anybody. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy skates up to me. We're right at the end of practice and we're getting bag skated. So everybody had different colors jerseys on. So when they yelled your, your color, you had to do two laps. Okay. And then, and then when they yelled your color again, you had to do two laps the other way. Right. And it was a bag skate. Like they were, they were, they were, you were going you would skate for two laps and then you'd have 30 seconds off and then skate again. Right. You're, you're winded. You're out of breath. So this guy skates up to me when I'm coasting, which only lasted for 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Hey Rick, uh, he's I seen the, um, I seen the scores, uh, the test scores. He said, man, you, you, you're, you're in great shape, you know? And dude, Joe, I was so winded. I, I blurted out to him. I said, uh, yeah, I said, I worked my fucking ass off this summer, you know, mm-hmm. and, and the coach who was running the drill yelled my color. So I took off skating. Right. So now this guy <laughs> thinks I'm a smart ass or he thinks I'm, he thinks I'm an asshole. Right. Right. Because I blurted out to him. Yeah. I, I worked my fucking ass off. Right. Right. But what I was going to say was I worked my ass off because I was afraid that my back would not hold up. Right. Right. Like I was halfway through my sentence, you know? <laughs> Yeah. And I had to take off and skate. So I take off and skate. I don't see the guy again. Now the whistle blows, the, the practice is over. I'm looking everywhere for this guy. I can't find him. I go off the ice. I, I'm waiting outside the locker room where the coaches, I, I asked the guy to come out. I said, is, 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 
Rob Laird in there? No, he's already gone. Back to the hotel. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, I'll catch up with him at the hotel. I wanted to tell this guy, hey, listen, man, I, I want to finish my sentence, right? Yeah, yeah. I go to the hotel. He's fucking checked out already. Really? He checked out of the hotel. Now he, he's gone back to Moncton to get ready for our camp. Right. I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm the last guy cut from Winnipeg. I, I get sent down. The season's about to start in Moncton. I walk in my first morning, first guy at the rink. The trainer walks up and said, Rob, Rob wants to talk to you in the locker room. <laughs> or in the, in the coach's room. Rob, Rob wants to see you in the coach's room. Mm-hmm. I said, okay. So I walk in there, right? Pretty comfortable, pretty, pretty relaxed. And I'm going to tell the story, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell him I never got to finish my fucking sentence with you, right? He points it at the board behind his head. And there's names. All the, all the guys' names are on this board. It's a depth chart, right? He goes, you're number nine on the depth chart here. Number nine? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm behind the trainer. <laughs> what the fuck? And, and I, I looked at him and I'm like, what? I, I, said, I, I said, Rob, I, I just got sent down from Winnipeg. Like I was the last guy cut. And you're telling me I'm number nine on the depth chart here in, in Moncton. He's like, yep, that's where you're starting. And he, he said, uh, that's it. That's and it. That was it. That was it. <laughs> That was it. That was our meeting. Wow. Out the fucking door, dude. Oh, unfortunately copped an attitude there too. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, it didn't go well. Mm-hmm. So I, I stayed there, you know, I, 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 I played, uh, you know, I, I don't know how many games, maybe 35, 40 games, whatever. Actually 47. Okay. 47 games. Yeah. But I sat out, I sat out 10 or 12 games or something, right? Like mm-hmm. healthy scratch. Wow. And it was very apparent that the guy didn't like me, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Dallas Eakins was a good friend of mine. We played in Cincinnati together. Mm-hmm. Dallas was like, I don't know what it is. He's that guy really don't like it. You know, <laughs> like I actually called uh, Dave Hansen, who was the general manager of the capital district Islanders. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I said, Dave, I, I'm in a bad situation here. I said, do you guys want me to come back to, to capital district? I said, if you can swing a trade, I want to, I want out of here. Like I, I, I can't take this place no more. I can't take this guy. And, uh, it was illegal to do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, um, I, you know, I wanted to get out of, out of, out of there. So that day we were playing a game and I was a healthy scratch mm-hmm. and it was like the second or third game. I was a healthy scratch on this road trip and I was fed up. So I, I, I grabbed Craig Martin mm-hmm. and everybody going to the bus after the pregame skate and I was the last guy, me and Marty were the last guys. And, and Robbie Laird was in the coach's room waiting until we were all out. Mm-hmm. So I took Marty and I, I pulled him to the door. I said, Marty, I said, I want you to listen at the door. I said, if you hear a ruckus in there, I said, come in there and, 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 and save us. Right. Because, <laughs> because I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm going to fuck somebody up. Right. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I opened the door and went in. Uh, Robbie was sitting at this little desk and I grabbed the desk and I started shaking the desk and, um, kind of pushing it toward him. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dude, like what's going on? Like I, you know, I'm not the fucking ninth guy here. Uh, you know, yeah. like, uh, what's going on? I said, well, I said, I want to be moved. I said, mm-hmm. I, I need to get out of here. Like, you don't like me. I don't like you. This isn't good for the team. Get me out of here. Right. Anyway. Marty didn't have to come in, but he's ready to, <laughs> um, 
Yeah. So I, I, I went to, uh, I got traded back within two or three days. I got traded back to the, to the Island mm-hmm. to, to, uh, to capital district. And, um, actually that the, the scout that had got me signed to Winnipeg called me the next summer. And he said, Rick, when you left Moncton, he said, I was fucking pissed at you. you no, know? mm-hmm. but he said, I've talked to a couple of guys since then. And he said, I want to apologize to you, man. I, I didn't know you were being treated shitty there, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, shitty as you were. Yeah. And, uh, he said, I, I want to apologize for that. I didn't know what going on or I would have tried to intervene or whatever. And I said, Hey, man, it is, it is what it is, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I, I appreciate him calling and, and, uh, and sharing that, you know, now, um, just keeping with the theme of the capital district uh, rivalry, your first game back with CDI, uh, you ended up matching up with Darren McCarty. Do you remember that one? Oh yeah, that was a good one. Um, you know, uh, Richard Crom was, uh, one of the favorite guys I ever played with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love Cromer. Uh, and McCarty took a run at him and, basically bent him in half over the, over the penalty box boards. Cromer was so damn tough and he, he didn't show anything, but it, no, it was a cheap, it was a, it was a cheap hit and a overzealous hit mm-hmm. basically. So that's what, that's what prompted that fight. I, I went right after McCarty and I think we, we squared off right of center ice and, uh, and uh, like that one's on the internet. Any, anybody could watch that and, and judge for themselves. But, um, you know, what's funny after that fight, like I, I, I hit McCarty, I hit Darren probably seven, eight times, right square in the face. And, uh, we got in the penalty box and I looked down at him and I'm expecting maybe a bruise or a cut or something. I, he didn't have a scratch on him. <laughs> and I'm thinking, what the hell? I must, I must throw, you know, I'm throwing pillowcases here. Right. <laughs> I was like, he don't have a bruise. What the hell's going on? He had that young skin at the time. One weird story, funny story. Uh, Dean Chanel uh, had a fight. I think it was at night, or or anyway, it doesn't matter which night it was. But mm-hmm. uh, who did he fight? He fought. Um, Is that the night he fought Bugner. Bugner, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Man, uh, he was he was doing well. He, off the hop, he was yep. hammering him left, and uh, Boogs threw a bomb mm-hmm. and landed right on Chinny's right on his chin, right? Yep. Chinny went down. I was on the ice. I skated over and I grabbed Chinny and I picked him up, literally picked him up. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Chinny, you okay, man? Yep. Good. And, uh, I, I, I put his arm around my, around my shoulder so I could hold him up. And, and he was ambient all the way to the, to the, to the, to the, uh, penalty box. Right. Yep. And we get to the penalty box and, uh, I sit him down in the box and I, I, I get outside the box and I'm, now I'm staring in his eyes and his eyes are rolling around and I'm like, Chinny. I said, where are we? He says, Saskatoon. <laughs> and I, I, I said, well, and I look over at the bench and I give the trainer the old, uh, yeah. you know, come on and get this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So right then Chinny puts his hand up his hand. He puts his left hand up and his pinky on his left hand is pointing the wrong direction. Oh shit. It's, it's like 90 degrees at a second knuckle. It's 90 degrees and it's pointing backwards. Oh, wow. And he's staring at it and he's like, hazy. That's not normal. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, no, Jimmy, that's not normal, bro. Oh God. I can picture him saying that too. I oh, can yeah. hear his he, voice he, saying it. 
oh yeah, he's looking at it. He's like looking sideways, and he goes, "Hazy, that's not normal." <laughs> <laughs> nope, that's not. Oh God. Uh, so uh, following year, uh, you're with Florida. How did that come about? Florida. I just uh, signed as a free agent there. Okay. Um, yep. I uh, I signed as a free agent. Uh, I, I think they were expansion team, and yeah. uh, I just signed with them as a free agent. You know, hoping that uh, there was a spot that could be uh, picked on there. And, uh, I met uh, Kimby Darren Kimba, Kimball down there. Yeah, uh, I was going to say they were. Uh, it seemed like they were collecting tough players in that camp. Yourself, Darren Kimball, Brent Severin, Paul Laws, Scott Levins, Dallas Eakins, and Bird Dog Smith. That's a uh, that's a rogues gallery. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, they had some tough lads that uh, you know in camp there. That camp went really well. Like um, I was in Cleveland, or no, where was I? I was in Capital District mm-hmm. at the time. I was I was I was with the Islanders, and then I signed with Florida. Mm-hmm. So about halfway through camp, I hadn't signed my contract yet. Cliff Fletcher's son was the uh, assistant GM there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he came up to me and he's like, uh, Hey, Hazy, he said, we got to sit down here and sign your contract at some point, you know? And I said, yeah, let's, let's get it done. You know, uh, you know, we're halfway through camp. We might as well get it signed. Right. And, uh, I said, the one thing I want to talk to you about is getting my stuff moved from capital district to Cincinnati was the farm team. Yep. And he looked at me and he said, uh, well, I tell you what, Hazy, I said, if you keep playing the way you're playing, he said, we're going to be moving your shit to Florida. Oh, nice. And yeah, dude, I, I, I was like shocked and I was like, hell yeah, dude. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So like I told you, I had back surgery in, um, capital district two years before that. Yeah. I, I made it through the next season with no problems. And then, uh, so, so now we're playing exhibition. We go down to, uh, Tampa. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think I fought, uh, Brant Myers, uh, twice in that twice. game. Televised game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we had a couple, a couple of bouts there. Um, and then I was standing at the face off and, uh, I forget who was across from me. Just a little guy. DeMaio? And it, no, no, no. It wasn't, he wasn't a tough guy. He was just a, he was a like second line guy. Okay. Uh, okay. Small guy. Anyway, the puck came, the face off, the puck came right toward us and he, I went to lift his stick to get the puck. Mm-hmm. And when I lifted his stick, my back went out. Okay. And when I say went out, my legs went out from under me. I, I, I landed on my back on the ice and I was paralyzed. Oh shit. And it was like, it was like somebody had a knife in my back. It was excruciating pain. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? You know? Yeah. So the trainer, the trainer for, Florida or for, sorry, Tampa, the visiting, you know, we were visiting Tampa. Mm-hmm. We were in Tampa. The trainer for them was the trainer from capital district the year before Larry Ness. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Larry Ness knows it's my back, right? Yeah. He, he's been with me for two years, baby in this thing. Yeah. He, he runs out in the ice and he's like, he, he got to me before the, before the uh, trainer from Florida. Right. And he's like, uh, dude, what's going on? And I said, Larry, it's my back, man. I said, I have no idea what happened, but I said, he said, well, let's get a stretcher. I said, fuck that. I said, get me up. And now the other trainers are, I said, you guys pick me up and get me off the ice. I said, I'm not being stretchered off the ice. Mm -hmm. I said, get me up and get me out of here. Right. 
dude, these guys picked me up. I almost passed out from the, from the pain. Yeah. I, they got me to the door, the, the, the Zamboni door by the locker rooms. Mm-hmm. And I started walking down the, uh, you know, toward the locker rooms and my legs were given out and my back was crazy hurting. Yeah. Anyway, I get in the locker room and I'm thinking, get undressed before everybody comes in here. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm trying to, I couldn't even get undressed, bud. Whoa. So, so the little, the little helper guy that helps in the locker room from mm-hmm. Tampa Bay, he comes in and I said, bud, you got to help me get dressed and get showered. This kid helped me dress me, whatever got me. Anyway, all the guys come in after the game. I'm pretty much dressed. So I'm standing around the dressing room. I decide I'm going to walk out toward the bus. So now I'm walking down the aisle, going to, out toward the bus where we were getting on our bus. And here comes Bobby Clark and um, uh, the assistant GM from, uh, he was from the island too. Uh, you took, uh, Bill Torrey was there at the time, wasn't yeah, he? Mm-hmm. It was Bill, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 um, and Bill says to me, because he knew about my back problems from mm-hmm. CDI. Yeah. He's like, Rick, uh, how you feeling, man? And I straightened right up. I'm like, yeah, good, Bill. I'm, <laughs> I'm good. I'm great. Yeah. I said, thanks for asking. I'm good, man. I said, little tweak. I said, I'm good to go. I walked by him, dude. And I was just like head down dying. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I, I got on the team bus. We had to drive from Tampa back to Florida, which is an hour and 45 minutes. Right. So I'm in the back of the bus hiding, trying to lay on the floor. So I was flat. I, I couldn't get comfortable. Well, halfway home, we stop at a, at a restaurant, right? Mm-hmm. And this restaurant, we had to go upstairs to get to the, where we were eating. It was a plant Hollywood or something. We had to dude, two guys had to carry me up these stairs. Oh. I I'm trying to act like it don't hurt. It was killing me, man. Yeah. Oh, it's your back. I mean, really? Oh yeah, dude. It was, it was sick. Anyway, I got home. Bird dog, bird dog was my roommate. He didn't go on the trip. So he's sleeping when I get home. So I go in nice and quiet. I get in bed. Morning comes. I, I throw the covers off. I'm bare naked. I get up. I take two steps and I collapse on my bed. Oh, yeah. And I said, bird dog. And I woke him up and I don't know if you know bird dog or not, but he, he was a miserable some bitch, right? <laughs> I was going to say that's a story in and of itself, waking him up. Oh yeah, dude. I, I, I begrudgingly wake them up. Yeah. Right. Woke him up. <laughs> I, I'm like bird dog, man. And he's like, what man? I said, dude, I hurt my back last night. I said, I'm, I'm fucking paralyzed. I can't move. And he's like, get, get, get. he's like, get out of here, man. I said, bud. <laughs> I bud, help me get back in bed. So, dude, he got out of bed, put me back in bed. He called the trainer. You know, the trainer gets on the phone with me. I said, bud, I'm paralyzed. I can't move. Mm -hmm. He said, all right. He said, stay there. I'll be there shortly. Dude, the ambulance shows up. Oh, shit. They put me on a gurney. Now I'm wheeling across the foyer of the hotel. I look over in the restaurant. There's Tori, Clark. All the brass is sitting there watching me get wheeled out of this hotel on a fucking gurney, right? Oh, shit. I'm like, well, there goes my Florida chance, right? <laughs> there goes my opportunity on this oh, fucking no. team. Oh, yeah. Ugh. And all, all it was, like, the scar tissue let go. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and it was sore for, uh, fuck, a month. And then I was back back in business. Well, you ended up playing uh, 61 games down in Cincinnati. So I guess once you got going, uh, it was a pretty good year. And, uh, well, I got to ask you about uh, someone we discussed on the phone, uh, someone I'm a huge, huge fan of, and that's uh, Mark LaBelle. What do you remember about playing with Beller? Yeah, I think he might have been my favorite teammate. Um, you know, uh, 
I think him and Jimmy Playfair, Corey Bolio, you know, these guys are all up there. My favorite teammates, uh, me and oh, Bella were roommates. By the way, I just want you to know, I did reach out to Corey Bolio, but he's constantly getting suspended on Facebook. So I keep sending him messages. He's, he has like 10 accounts and he's constantly getting suspended. So I, I uh, but he's someone I did reach out to, but I don't know which account I sent it to, but, uh, but I'm sure buddy, he'll listen. So I'm sure he'll enjoy hearing that. I don't know how. How do you how do you get suspended off of Facebook? Well, they suspend a lot of people <laughs> if you if you go against what they deem uh, appropriate content. Uh, probably something political. Uh, anyone that uh, doesn't go a certain way, uh, they boot you off for a while. So uh, right. So he's he's right. He's a regular on the suspended list, but uh, oh, hopefully yeah. he's listening to this. Yeah, he's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. I love that guy. He should learn how to treat Facebook, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, I'll be honest with you. I think he treats it like it deserves to be treated. Right, so, right, yeah. right, right. There you go, man. Yeah. I I, I am seldom, I, I am never on Facebook. I, I try to stay off of it. I mean, I, I got on it 10 years ago when it first came out mm-hmm. or whenever it came out. I, I got on it and I said, yeah, I'll, I'll put my profile in here. And, dude, the next morning I had this nasty message from somebody back in the day. And I said, <laughs> I said, hell no, I am not putting up with this shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Anyway, I got off. I wasn't on it forever. Anyway, we'll talk about that later. So uh, tell me about. uh, Yeah, LaBelle is, uh, yeah, favorite teammate. We were were roommates and uh, we uh, got along like like a house on fire. And he is one tough dude, Uh, you know, a little bit underrated, I believe. Uh, He he was super tough. and he loved the fight, man. Uh, you know, some guys, some guys fight because they just have to, mm-hmm. um, Beller fought because he liked it. You know, mm-hmm. uh, he was one of those guys that just liked it. And, uh, and I got tons of respect for Mark. So, um, he told me two stories. Uh, one was, uh, from this year. He said he couldn't remember who you guys were playing. He thought it might've been against Vegas. And he said, you got in on the bench and someone on the other team was kind of running around and the coach came over and suggested that someone handle it. And you guys looked at each other and decided who was going to handle it by playing a game of rock, paper, scissors. Do you remember yeah, that? I, I, I certainly do. <laughs> uh, it was against Orlando. Okay. And it was uh crystal Puma. Okay. And uh, he was running around doing something stupid. And um, I think it was Donnie Jackson, maybe came down maybe okay. he was a coach at the time or, or uh or no it was uh well, it was uh terry uh terry murray terry murray yeah at mm-hmm. the end of the year he comes down he's like uh is anybody ready you know and, and me and beller took our glove off did rock paper scissors and uh <laughs> beller, beller won mm-hmm. um his paper covered my rock so <laughs> so he went out he fought uh la puma right in front of our bench mm-hmm. and um he hit him with a bomb and just blew his nose wide open. And, wow. uh, uh, it was a great fight, but, uh, La Puma went to the box and he was like, he was, uh, at that time, uh, Chris was doing his goth thing. You know, he had all black hair, yeah. jet black hair. And, uh, and, uh, I think he might even wore, uh, you know, eyeliner in his, <laughs> in his eyelashes or something, man. But he was like licking the blood off his nose and, oh yeah, he was putting on a show, but it was, it was uh, the IHL at its best, you know. 
Yeah, so now I'm I'm a I like to collect um, you know game user game worn stuff, so I notice certain things. And this was the first year you switched to the uh, the Jaffa helmet, the uh, the Gretzky helmet. Was there any particular reason for that? No, uh, not really. Yeah, I just didn't like the CCMs; they didn't fit right. Mm-hmm. You know, um, although my head uh, it <laughs> didn't didn't fit into the CCM mold, so I, I put the Jaffa on. Now. Obviously, the goal was to stay in Florida that year, and 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 uh, what I didn't know before the interview is really that you it seems like you get raised in Detroit, even though you're born in Ohio. Uh, but playing in Cincinnati, I mean, I don't know how long you spent in Ohio. Did it mean anything being able to play in your home state? Yeah, it was great. Like my mm-hmm. parents and everybody got to come down a lot to Cincinnati, and then I signed four years. My next contract was in Cleveland for four mm-hmm. years, so. I really got to spend a lot of time with my family, uh, you know, during those five years. And, um, that was a really a nice, nice way to end my career since I'd been away for so long and, and places that they couldn't see and come to the games and enjoy, uh, enjoy some of it, you know? Yeah. Now, uh, this year, you know, back in the IHL, a uh, bunch of guys on your fight card, uh, uh, at least twice, you got guys like Jeff Riccardi, Richard Zemlack, Kevin Evans, Herb Raglan. Steve Fletcher, your old teammate, Jay Caulfield, all those guys you fought at least at least twice. So at this point in your career, you're established, but you are back in a in a league you hadn't been in in a while. Was it just getting reacquainted with some of the boys, or or was there anything uh, underlying with some of these guys? Uh, there was never anything underlying. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the second fight with somebody, mm-hmm. uh, something happened that 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 makes that happen. But um, initially, I think. Uh, like I, you know, Joe. Looking back, I, I always try to play the game hard as possible. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and when when fights were called for, then then it was a fight, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, it didn't matter if it was my first year or my last year. Mm-hmm. That was my job, and that's the way I looked at it. And um, I protected my teammates uh, the best of my ability. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I don't think the first fight there was ever any, you know, there was no one that I ever held a grudge against or. Or, well, there's one guy now I have a little grudge against. Um, oh, I, I wanted to mention also when you mentioned Cam Brown, that was a terrific fight. And he did better than I expected him to do. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the fight, um, the linesman came in and I and I kind of swung. Th- this stuff happens within split seconds, right? Yep. So I, I swung at the end and I kind of, it, it was almost like a cheap shot. Mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't think it was when I was doing it, but... Right. On tape, it looked like it. Yeah, and um, and he took it as a cheap shot. So I want to apologize to Cam Brown mm-hmm. uh, if he listens. I don't know if he ever hears this, or if anybody knows Cam Brown, tell him that I apologize for that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, we fell down, and then the, the linesman was getting off of me because mm-hmm. he fell on top of me, and he actually kicked Cam in the face with his skate. Oh shit! Yeah, that uh, if you watch that fight on, on I think it's on. Uh, Maybe on. Uh, I have I have it on video. So yeah, watch watch the end of that fight. He gets kicked in the nose by the by the linesman with a skate. Oh wow! And um, and Craig Cox is right there, and and Coxie knew it was a linesman, and mm-hmm. and all all everybody all the other players thought it was me that kicked him, right? <laughs> and uh, so guys are trying to get at me, but Coxie's like saying it wasn't him; it was a linesman, you know, like mm-hmm. so. And Coxie was on the other team, right? Yeah, so yeah. Mm-hmm. It was it was a weird moment, but anyway, Cam Brown. Uh, you know, great fight, and uh, sorry that I, uh, I hit you a little bit late there. Yeah, I, so uh, yeah, to answer your question, there was there was no animosity with anybody really. It just it's 
spur of the moment, you know, game game needed it, mm-hmm. and it happened, you know. I, I think when I was when I was going over the video, watching some of your scraps, I, I did notice that you did like to kind of play it close to the edge, and maybe sometimes you didn't mind going over the edge. And like um, uh, Steve Jakes brought up, uh, did you want? It gives you an edge if people are thinking twice about you as an intimidator. Uh, I think of guys like Mark LaForge, even a guy like Bird Dog. Everybody knew how tough they were, but th- there was also that um, unpredictability to their game. Is that something you tried to, to make a part of your game as well? I I, I don't I don't think so. Okay. Um, I, I think um, I think all tough guys have screw loose. You know, <laughs> it's right? not just tough guys. <laughs> Yeah, like yeah. I'm, I'm telling you, man. Like, so I I don't know. Like, yeah. uh, like one guy that I really loved playing against was uh, Brownie uh, from Pittsburgh. What was his first name? Uh, Rob, uh, Rob Brown. Rob, yeah, okay. Rob Brown. Mm-hmm. This guy was a goal scorer, pure goal scorer, right? Yeah. But I would I would cross check him, mm-hmm. right? And he would turn around and whack me in the wrist and try to break my wrist, right? Oh, wow, yeah. And I was like, dude. I love you, man. Yeah. I, I, I love that you come back at me because mm-hmm. a lot of guys like him, yeah. goal scorers or whatever. Yeah. I would, I would ride him hard and do something stupid to him. Mm-hmm. And they, they'd be in my pocket the rest of the night. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. But this guy had balls like a train. You know what I mean? Like he wouldn't take shit from anybody. And mm-hmm. I, I love that about him. And, uh, I, I, I respected him for that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, a lot. And, he he stands out in my mind as uh, the best guy for that. Yeah. And that that's what I was wondering, because as a defenseman, and obviously I don't know how much you follow the game now, but the NHL came out with their thing about cross-checking and all this other stuff. But as a defenseman during the era that you played, you were allowed to do a lot, a lot, uh, you know, uh, cross-checking, you know, pushing in front of the net, things like that. You were able to um, – get away with stuff and and i think more so than a forward at times a defenseman could be an intimidator as well yeah i i, I mean um you know uh when when a guy's thinking about you that's a little less time he's thinking about putting a puck in the net right yeah so i you know maybe subconsciously i uh did a little extra people once in a while just to get them thinking i'll tell you a funny story my son wants me to tell this story okay um uh, I was in Germany at the time, and really there was no one there to fight, right? Um, but I went over there, circumstances, they needed a, a tough guy to come over and take care of their team. So they hired me to come over and take care of the team. Anyway, we we played against our rivals in Cologne, and Corey Millen was on the team. Okay. Uh, little Corey Millen. Anyway, uh, a guy that you're not fond of was on our team, Larry. Um <laughs> And, and, and Lenny and Corey Millen, uh, got at it. This was, I think this was, this was in the playoffs. Okay. So Corey and, and, and Millen got at it a little bit and Millen ended up spearing Lenny in the face the stick, and his stick went in his mouth and knocked the, his back tooth out. No. Oh God. So can you imagine how far his stick was in his yeah. mouth if it knocked his back tooth out? Right. That's like Kerry Toporowski, uh, level stick in the mouth. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Anyway. Anyway, we were having this line brawl, and I, I think I had fought uh, Riccardi. He was there, yep. so mm-hmm. I, 
I had a fight with him, but I was still on the ice. The linesman had no idea how to break up a fight. Anyway, I stayed on the ice. I got over by Corey Millen there, and he was chirping me. And I grabbed him by the back of the head with one hand, and I had my glove on for mm-hmm. some reason. And I grabbed him by the nose, right, <laughs> with with my with my pinky finger, and with in my hockey glove. And I grabbed his nose. And I started twisting his nose and, and I had, I had the back of his head in my, in my hand and I was, I was twisting his nose and I was trying to, I was trying to twist it off and he was screaming, dude. Like oh. you could hear him screaming all the way through the rink. That, oh my God. That is oh. hilarious. Yeah. But I would never pick, I would never fight Corey Millen or I'd never fight right. anybody that wasn't up there Yeah, at that level. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would ride him hard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, don't, I don't really know what Jakesy said, but, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, you know, we did crazy shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, when I like, like I prided myself, Joe, on being a, a regular player as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I got plenty of ice time. Uh, I was always like, uh, you know, fourth, sixth defenseman, whatever, mm-hmm. um, penalty killed. So, um, yeah, I mean, if you can use your toughness as an intimidation factor, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, do it. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a tool, right? Yep. And, um, yeah, I, I, I appreciate JC, uh, you know, noticing that. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. I wasn't, I wasn't saying it as uh, as a negative thing because it could no. be something where, you know, you know, the thing is, especially with, with the way hockey used to be, you're playing in this game, but you're also setting the stage for the games to come. You may be playing a team that you're going to play three or four more times. And if it means you're going to try to get in an extra shot here or there, or just do something to kind of get in their heads, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. And I think there were times where I thought you may have done that. And I, I I think it's a smart move because now you're in, you're in their head, especially if it's a team you're going to play a bunch more times or you're going to go into the playoffs and play. Because like you said, you were at at that point in your career, you're taking a regular shift. So it's not like you're out there for two or three shifts. So, you know, it's, it's not even so in a way, it's kind of like sending a message that say, okay, well, we got you again next week, or we're going to get you in a month in the playoffs or something. Here's something to remember. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and that's a game we had back then, right? Mm-hmm. That, that was our, that was our thing back then. Like I told you with Adirondack, who, who, who in the right mind would sit at the red line with five other tough guys on the other side and say, who's first, right? <laughs> like, uh, that's not something that just, you know, you, you do and, and laugh it off. Like mm-hmm. that's, you know, <laughs> you're like, now I got to back that up. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, it, but, it, but in the same, in the same breath, all five of these guys are saying, what the fuck just happened there? Like, <laughs> did he just challenge all five of us? Right. Yeah. What's wrong with this guy? <laughs> so was it a mind game? Fuck. Yeah, dude. Mm-hmm. It was a mind game as well. Right. You, you yep. got in other people's minds mm-hmm. and you know, the intimidation factor was a big mind fuck. Right. Yeah. So, Oh, definitely. If you, if you got it, you might as well use it. Right. Yep. So yeah, man. One of the names I had mentioned that you fought twice that year uh, in Cincinnati was Steve Fletcher. And then you you met up with Fort Wayne in the playoffs uh, that year. You fought him a third time. Um, and after the after your fight with Fletcher, when you when uh, you kind of separated from the pack, uh, you went immediately to Kevin McDonald and, and uh, started with him. Uh, was something said there? What happened there? Yeah, me, me and Mac had, uh, I think, a little history from Phoenix. We mm-hmm. played together in Phoenix. I don't know. We, we, we were okay as teammates, mm-hmm. but, um, I don't think we were great friends. I, I don't know what he thought of me. 
uh, he's never told me or I've never heard anything. Um, uh, as far as he was concerned uh, that I, I, I liked him, you know, I like Mac, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I enjoyed playing uh, with him, but, uh, and he, he's a guy that you want in your corner, you know, he, he'll mm-hmm. stick up for you. Uh, he's a tough, tough individual, but there was always a little raw area between me and him. I think, I um, whether it was with him or not, I don't know if he feels the same way, but with me, it, it never felt, I never felt cozy with him. Right. I got you. Um, but, um, yeah, that, uh, that fight happened with Fletchy and then I, I stood up and I was skating to the penalty box and, and I, all I could hear was Mac chirping something. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I was like, fuck it. I'm going to, I'm going to try to punch you in the face, you know? And, <laughs> So I went to the bench and then, and then, uh, and then everybody got in it. It was, uh, it was good. You know, it was great. It, you know, it's playoffs, right? Yep. And then you ended up actually getting at him a week later. You ended up fighting. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, that was, that was a, that was a weird series. So that year we, we, uh, we won home ice advantage, mm-hmm. but in Cincinnati, our owner was a brand new owner in hockey. Um, his forte, uh, there was two owners. And they came from the wrestling world, the WWF stuff, right? Okay. So they bought this team as a as a as a project, right? So anyway, um, the owners in in Fort Wayne were cagey. They they they'd been in hockey for years. Yeah. And um, I forget their names. Uh, they were brothers, anyway. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they uh, we we won home ice advantage. But the, the, the arena in Cincinnati had booked a flower show of some <laughs> florist, some florist show for a week. Okay. So the GMs and owners went to this meeting and they said, what are we going to do that? The, the ice isn't available in Cincinnati. You know, Doug Kirchhofer was his name. They're like, Doug, do you mind starting a series in uh, Fort Wayne? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, Doug's like, yeah, sure. That's fine. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's fine. <laughs> of course, right? Told, he come back and told us, and we're like, "What did you do, dude? <laughs> you just gave them home ice advantage, you dummy!" Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Uh, uh, but we we were screwed from right from the gate on that on that series. So uh, so after Cincinnati, like you alluded to earlier, you end up in Cleveland. Now, did you sign directly with Cleveland, or or did you sign with Pittsburgh? I signed with Cleveland directly. Um, I. Um, at that point in my career, man, I was, um, you know, I've been chasing the dream mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, you've heard some of the stuff that went on, like, you know, some, my fault, some other people's faults, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I was, I was tired of my kids were both real young and, uh, I had two kids at the time and mm-hmm. I was like, uh, you know, I want to give them something stable. So I said, I'm just going to sign with Cleveland. I signed a four-year deal in Cleveland. Oh, okay. Uh, for, you know, at that time in the IHL, it was really good money. I, I had heard through the, so Brian Lawton was my agent at the time. Uh, I was, I was trying to sign, re-sign with uh, Doug Kirchhofer in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Uh, not with Florida, just with Doug, right? Right. And um, uh, me and Doug got along pretty good and we had a good relationship. And uh, I had heard through the grapevine uh, through, uh, another player that they were in Larry Gordon's office in Cleveland and they saw his list of guys that he wanted mm-hmm. like one, two, three, four, five in the order he wanted them. Right. Mm-hmm. And he, he said, my name was at the top of that list. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. 
So it was kind of inside information. So I, I called Brian. I said, Brian, I think Cleveland really wants to sign me. And he said, I just got off the phone with Larry Gordon and he never, he never mentioned your name. Uh. And I said, I said, call him back and mention my name and see if he's interested. Mm. So he called him. He calls me back 10 minutes later. He said, Oh my God, he's crazy. He said, he didn't know that I represent you and he, he wants to sign you today. Oh, wow. And I said, I said, well, I said, start calling Doug Kirchhofer mm-hmm. and Larry and start negotiating. Right. So he did that. And I signed the next day or two days later with, with, you know, Cincinnati bowed out at like mm-hmm. three years and some money. And, right. and, uh, so I signed four years in Cleveland and I was, I was really happy with that. I was going to go to camp in, uh, in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. They kind of uh, gave me a, an invite. Yeah. Um, it was something with insurance. I would have had to buy this crazy insurance policy or something at the I time. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not going to make Pittsburgh. You yeah. know what I, mean? I, <laughs> yeah. I said, I'm not spending, you know, five right. grand for, for a three day vacation, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, um, you're, you're established in Cleveland and you're playing Cincinnati and, uh, on a face off, you look, uh, opposite you and you see your old pal, Mark LaBelle. Yeah. And, uh, I guess you guys had a little chat and got at it. So take me through that sequence. Oh boy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. We, I think we played a few games before we actually, uh, got into it. You know, I fought, I fought over the years. I, I fought a lot of my friends and, uh, and we go out to the bar after and we don't even talk about it. Right. Right. Like, it's just, you don't talk about it. You just, you just go on with your day. You know, I never wanted to fight better, mm-hmm. obviously. Uh, but, uh, we didn't hold anything back. Right. It was a, it was a full out fight. You know, we, we didn't talk about that fight, Joe, until about, uh, I would say five years ago, we had a little reunion in Cincinnati. We finally talked about it <laughs> after 25 years or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. So I, I think I won the fight. Um, I hit him. I was, a counter, I was a counter puncher. So mm-hmm. Uh, he would throw a punch and miss, and then I would counter, and I I, I hit him a lot more than he hit me. Mm-hmm. And then uh, at the end of the fight, he hit me with a bomb right right in the eye, and from my eyebrow, from the corner of my eyebrow down to the corner of my eye, split open. Oh. And he had his head down, and he's like wrestling around. Anyway, the fight's over, and I'm holding on to him, and he looks up and sees the blood running down my face, and he just I I'll never forget his face. He was like is like it was like a kid at Christmas, right? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I cut you, you fucker. <laughs> anyway. Oh, God. Uh, I'm guessing it was Mary Hart next to the penalty box that night? Uh, no, there was the the uh, public address announcer was this guy uh, in Cincinnati, um, an old war veteran and, mm-hmm. and just a crusty old fucker. Anyway, <laughs> I, I had to go to the locker room, obviously, to get stitched up, you know? Yeah. And, uh, he had this big booming voice and he said in his big booming voice, I could hear him from inside the locker room. He said, uh, will the doctor please report to the visiting dressing room? (laughs) And I was so fucking mad, Joe. After I got stitched up, I went out and I fucking stuck my stick through the door in the, in the uh, penalty box. I tried to spear him in the back. You know, (laughs) I was so fucking mad at him. I forget his name, but, uh, he, he was like a staple Cincinnati, you know? Oh, I bet you Beller got a kick out of it. Oh, yeah. Fuck, the boys were howling. 
guys on my bench were laughing. Oh my god! Yeah. So, so the following season, you go back to Cleveland. Uh, a couple of new teammates you have there. Uh, one guy with, uh, with Islanders ties from back in the day. Uh, would you, what do you remember about playing with Mike Stevens, a guy that I think you later battled a few times in Germany? Yeah, yeah, I fought, I fought him. I think once in Germany. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, Mike was a good guy. We we lived. Uh, we rode to the rink every day together. You know, he was, uh, he was fucking strong, man. Like, yeah. uh, he had his brother, like him and his brother both had, had that, that weird strength, you know, yeah. was it, they weren't muscular looking or nothing, mm-hmm. but they were just strong, yeah. you know? And, uh, you know, Mike didn't fight a lot. Yeah. He could fight though, but yeah. he didn't fight a lot. He, he wanted to play, you know, I think we called him the dangler. Okay. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. He wanted to be known as a dangler, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, uh, Mike was a great guy. Mm-hmm. Um, son of a bitch to play against yeah, um, i bet yeah i hated playing against him but i, I like playing with him uh-huh. uh yeah he was a good dude well you started that season uh in vegas i don't know if you remember you had a two-fight game against sasha lakovic you remember battling sasha yeah that little <laughs> fucking guy uh yeah he uh we fought once i don't know uh he was a little uh rambunctious after the fight and he uh he did some shit on the way to the box there. I didn't like too much. So mm-hmm. I went right after him after, uh, I went right after him again. And when we got out of the box, I actually got suspended for two or three games after that. Cause we kept fighting after the linesman got in mm-hmm. and we threw them around a lot. Yeah. That, that fight lasted a long time, but the refs, <laughs> the refs were hanging on the whole time. So, yeah, but, uh, yeah, he, he ended up being a tough little shit. Yeah. Yeah. And now you may not, I don't know uh, how much you, you followed the NHL. Uh, you fought a guy named Steve Webb who, who got a cup of coffee in Detroit and really made the most of his opportunity. He ended up actually getting signed the next season here on the island. Uh, do you remember fighting Webb? In, uh, I think that was in Cleveland. I'm not positive. I, I don't remember fighting him. Yeah, um, he, he was, a, I mean, it's actually a really good story because he was mostly a Colonial League guy. Uh, he got called up for Detroit and right. I think he went I mean literally probably looked at the roster saw who the the tough guys were on those other teams that he was playing and really made the most of his opportunity so that's why he wasn't up there for long that's why I wasn't sure if you'd even uh, remember the name but that's his story and then he ended up having a nice career here yeah yeah he, he did well for himself mm-hmm. in uh, in the island there Yep. Uh, one fight I'm sure you definitely remember uh, was against Dean Zayons uh, of the uh, Atlanta oh. Knights. Yeah, he's he's a guy that if I if I seen him today, I would have to control myself, not sucker punch him. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he he got me. Uh, he got me. He sucker punched me um, from the side. I wasn't looking at him. I was messing with uh, Tyler Moss, the goalie, and uh, yeah, he smoked me good and uh, crushed my nose. And, uh, I ended up, I ended up like, I saw stars and went down. Like he got me, he hit me hard and, mm-hmm. uh, I had to have my nose fixed. Uh, my, they actually took parts of my ear and put it in my nose, uh, oh, to shit. fix my nose, oh, wow. uh, the cartilage, right? Wow. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I'm a little sour at, uh, at Dean's seance. <laughs> Uh, he owes me a fucking apology. Uh, well, well now we know <laughs> the one guy who you have a, a little bit of a grudge guy. against. That's the one guy. That's that. He's the one I, know, I, I don't, I don't hold grudges, but this one's like a 25 year grudge, yeah. but no, I, I got even with them though. I think I oh, yeah. stood up, I got up and, uh, and, uh, we, we had a pretty good tilt there. Mm-hmm. 
I got to ask you about your teammates from the following year because he's actually uh, one of the more successful assistant coaches in the NHL now, and he's always one of the names that pops up whenever there's a head coaching opening, and that's Lane Lambert. Yeah, Lane is, uh, he, you know what, he's getting everything he deserves right now. Mm-hmm. Um, he is one great guy, mm-hmm. uh, soft-spoken, uh, great teammate, uh, good hockey player, uh, fantastic guy. Um uh, I'll, I'll tell you a quick funny story about Lane. Uh, so we were playing. I, I don't know who we were playing against, but uh, uh, at that point in my career, I was I was right at the end. Mm-hmm. I was stay at home defenseman. Right, we were in in the opposing team zone, and uh, Lane was in the corner with the puck. Uh, he was battling a guy with the with for the puck, and I saw I saw him take control of the puck. So I took off from my point, and I went right down the middle, and I'm screaming at him tapping on the ice lane lane you know anyway he no look passes the puck he just turns and fires it and the puck went right to the uh right to the defenseman in front of the net it it was it it missed me by 10 feet i was anyway the defenseman was so surprised that the puck came to him he just sort of took a swipe at it and i was barreling down on him and the puck went off my shin pad and five hole right in the net (laughs) And, and uh I, I, I went to the fun bunch there with Lane. He comes over and he's patting me on the head. And I said, hey, bud, they, they don't ask how, 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 they ask how many, right? Yeah. <laughs> we had a good laugh about that one, though. Yeah. Yeah, oh, he's yeah. at every opening now. It's kind of like, and I, I think he would be a head coach at this point if if uh, the season wasn't interrupted a couple of years ago with the whole COVID stuff because, uh, I mean, he was. Na- I mean, his name popped up everywhere, and I think once the season shut down, that obviously uh, kind of put a, a stop to everything. But I mean, for for Islander fans like myself, like we're we're just loaded with uh, tremendous coaches here. But it's. It, I think we all know that we're on borrowed time with Lane because it's only a matter of time. Yeah, yeah, he's tripping. He's a great guy. Uh, there was a game against Indianapolis where you had a really good scrap against Gaetan Royer, and uh, afterwards a melee ensued by the Indianapolis bench. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. that's uh, That was, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, when people look on the Internet, when they find out who you are or whatever, mm-hmm. they look up, and they, they, that's the fight they see, basically. And they're mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, you were uh, <laughs> you know, a little bit apeshit. And I'm like, oh. I said, uh, it's just another night at the office, right? <laughs> So it was just nothing, uh, nothing, uh, set you off there. It was just, no, just yeah. stupidity, you know, like <laughs> skating by the bench. You might as well grab somebody while you're going by or something. I don't know. It's stupid. I don't, seriously, I don't know what, you, you know, I'll tell you a funny story. Um, uh, the only time I've ever been, I don't want to say scared, but worried mm-hmm. was, I wasn't even, it wasn't against a player. It was against uh, who? Who was a coach for the Detroit Vipers? Um, and, he, and then he's a GM uh, in well, uh, Florida. Uh, uh, Big Dudley. Dudley, Rick yep. Dudley. Mm-hmm. So Duds is coaching in Detroit, the Vipers. Mm-hmm. And uh, I fought somebody. I think I think Daryl Williams. I, I fought, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm skating by the bench, and Duds chirps me, says something to me, and I turn and look at him, and and I said something about his hair. Oh no! <laughs> because because he was so fucking you know conscious of his hair, yeah, oh yeah, mm-hmm. and lack of it or whatever. Exactly. Anyway, I said something about his fucking hair, and he snapped, mm-hmm. and I saw his face go 
purple red. And so I, I'd heard, I'd heard, um, rumors and, and stories about the Vipers when they're working out in their workout room, like Duds would walk in and not say anything. He'd throw, you know, 250, 300 on the bench press and sit down. He'd lay, he'd lay down and cranked out about 30 of them, you know? Wow. And then, and then he'd walk out. So like, this was, this was a big, strong, crazy, some bitch, right? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I see him, I see his eyes roll around when I mentioned his hair <laughs> and, uh, in Cleveland, the locker rooms were in the back under the stands and there was metal doors. There was these commercial metal doors separating the, the room. So I look over and I'm getting off the ice. I got kicked out of the game. I'm, 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 I'm getting off the ice and I look over and Duds is like, fighting his his trainers and assistant coaches to get back in the tunnel he's coming after me right oh no shit <laughs> oh yeah he's coming after me when i go to the locker room so dude i i i get down to those doors and i'm standing there now i put my stick up like babe ruth i'm, <laughs> I'm waiting for duds to come through the doors i'm cracking him with my stick man mm-hmm. i'm telling you what if he come through those doors he was getting it right across the teeth <laughs> because there's no way i was fighting that big bastard <laughs> oh man Oh my God! But well, uh, yeah, this, I guess he got halfway stories. there and decided it wasn't a good move. Yeah, I mean, what are you going to do at that point? And uh, you know, <laughs> but that's unbelievable. I got to ask you about another uh, another incident uh, against Grand Rapids. Uh, you tried to get at Matt Ruckty while he was in the penalty box, and then uh, when you couldn't do that, you challenged the Grand Rapids bench. Uh, any anything behind that? You know what, Joe? I don't even remember that. Okay. All right. Yeah, I, I have no recollection of that. All right. I, I remember, uh, who was a tough guy there? He's coaching now. Bruce Ramsey. Bruce Ramsey, yeah. Yeah, I fought him so, a couple of times. So, yeah, so Allison, the coach, uh, sent Ramsey out for me. And I I, I, I had a feeling I, w- I watched the bench and I saw him do it. And Anyway, so Rammer, you know, he was a tough dude and uh, did his job well. So he was coming after me. I was behind the net with the puck Mm -hmm. and I went to shoot the puck, uh, around the boards. He was coming in and my, my D partner grabbed his stick and and Rammer pulled his stick away from my part, my partner. Mm -hmm. And it swung around and hit me like a baseball bat right on my cheekbone. Oh fuck. And he busted and my cheekbone. So I went down on the ice and I took my glove off and I was cut and my trainer got there and I, just as my trainer got there, I felt something in my mouth and I was like, what the fuck, what's in my mouth, you know? Mm-hmm. And I put my finger, my thumb in my mouth and my teeth from my, from my middle tooth to my back tooth on the right side of my face, on the right side of my mouth were, were straight down 90 degrees. Oh shit. It crushed my face and pushed oh. my teeth down 90 degrees. So now, so now my teeth are 90 degrees. Oh fuck. And I pushed my, I pushed, I put my thumb in my mouth and pushed on the teeth uh-huh. and they moved, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So they, they were just kind of floating there. Right. Oh, <laughs> so the, the trainer gets there. Dave Zenobi. I think he's in Tampa now. I don't know where Dave is now. Zenobi get there and he goes, ah, here's your cut. You know, I said, Dave, that ain't the, that ain't the problem. And I, I opened my mouth. Yeah. Buddy, Zenobi's turned pitch white. He, t- he turned white like a ghost. <laughs> And I grabbed his arm and I had to help him to the bench, dude. <laughs> dude, he almost passed out when That's, he saw my teeth. Oh my god. Oh yeah. I helped the trainer back to the bench. I swear <laughs> to God. <laughs> oh my oh, god. 
But, um, you know, another guy that you don't like much, I don't think, uh, Johnny Craighead was on my team at that time. No, I don't know. I don't have anything against him. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, Craighead, um, he got after Rammer there the next game. Uh, actually, we got traded. Craighead and I both got traded to the Quebec Rafales. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we went back to to Grand Rapids, uh, Johnny fought. Uh, I don't. I wasn't. I wasn't playing yet. I don't think. Yeah, uh, I know. I know what you're gonna. I know. I've seen oh, that. I saw yeah, that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was that was ugly. But yeah. that was retribution for what uh, what happened to me. And I don't even think Rammer meant it. You know, like obviously he didn't mean it. Yeah. But, no, uh, that I, was I, I I'm trying to think. It. Uh, there's a, a couple of my buddies have have similar shows to what I do, and I, I'm trying to remember who had him on the show, and, and uh, he mentioned it. He mentioned that you know basically. You know, you see the video, but you don't know the backstory. And I was going to defend my teammates and stuff like that. So, so this is the backstory, basically. That was an ugly incident. That that uh, you know, one of those you don't like to see, but nope. it happened. So, yep. So entering that final year with Cleveland, uh, you know, like you said, you were you had uh, Craighead as a teammate there. Um, what what is uh, what what is your reaction? When you uh, when you end up getting traded to Quebec, uh, you signed that four year deal with Cleveland. I assumed you thought you might retire there. And uh, how does the whole trade come about? Yeah, there was some uh, there was some stuff that happened that uh, got blown out of proportion. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I, I don't know what the ins and outs of the trade was, but uh, uh, I was I was a bitter man mm-hmm. uh, because I you know uh, I had played with Perry Gancher, who was a coach at the time. And I played for him now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I fought many times for Perry taking care of him. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I felt, I felt betrayed by, uh, by Larry Gordon and, uh, and Perry. Mm-hmm. And, uh, anyway, I, I wasn't a happy camper to say the least, but, uh, you know, that, that happens, you know, yeah. it, it was like, it was the end of the year. It was like a six for six trade or something. Yeah, it was, it was a big deal, big trade. It was ridiculous, you know. And uh, you know, Cleveland was going into a uh, playoff series against Orlando, who had a a, a really tough team, mm-hmm. and uh, they got rid of me and Craiger, and uh, they didn't do very well, you know. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> I, I I could never understand why they did that. Yeah, I imagine Mel Anglestad probably ran around. Yeah, Mel mm-hmm. did do that when. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, uh, and, and then you took it out on the opponents. You had 108 penalty minutes in 13 games. Uh, I know you fought Eric Fenton and uh, Claude Boyven. Anything uh, memorable about those scraps or not so much? Yeah, not so much. I, I was in a bit of a daze when I was in Quebec. Uh, you know, um, I was there with uh, Jason Simon was there at the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, we had a crazy tough team in Quebec. Yeah, he uh, he was there. Uh, Serge was there. Craighead was there. Uh, even Millimock, who kind of goes under the radar, but he's pretty tough. And was uh, was Chanel there with you too? Uh, no, Dino wasn't there. Okay, we had we had probably seven or eight legitimate tough men there. And mm-hmm. uh, I remember our first game together. We played Milwaukee or something, and we we the coach put all the tough guys. I was playing center for crying out loud, <laughs> and. And the, the, the other teams, like, you couldn't imagine what, when, when they got the line before the game, they're like, what the hell kind of lineup is that? You know, there's on the left wing, uh, you know, Craighead on the right, me at center and two, two, uh, you know, donkeys on the, on the point. Right. So <laughs> anyway, we, we did some intimidation in our, our time in Quebec. 
Was uh, was Dennis Maxwell there when you were there? Uh, no. Okay. Okay. No. Yeah, it's hard. Whenever you do like an end of the year thing, it's hard to know who's there at the time. But yeah. uh, he's, I know he was, he was a tough player. He's actually, uh, he actually works for the Islanders right now. I think he's uh, part of the scouting department. So I was wondering. Actually, if- yeah. Yeah, he was there. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was there. Right. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Yeah, he was there. That's okay. So, um, so what led to your decision to go to Germany? Actually, uh, I, I took care of Len Berry and his uh, big mouth for a couple of years <laughs> yeah. in Cincinnati and Cleveland. So Lenny went to uh, Frankfurt and that was his first year in Germany and they had a really good team. They were, they were hoping to win. They, they, I think they ended up second overall in the league. I want to say uh, maybe Crowder or somebody was over there. Uh, a tough guy was over there playing on the opposite team that they played in the playoffs and they and he ran over the goalie. He ran over Yukatami, who was a goalie for, for Frankfurt, mm-hmm. and uh, basically knocked them out of the playoffs. Uh, it, they hurt the number one goalie, and the second goalie was this little German kid that that never was supposed to play. Right. Anyway, um, Bernie, the uh, the GM there, he he was good friends with Lenny, mm-hmm. and uh, he said, "Lenny, we need we need to bring some toughness over here. So this won't happen again next year. You know, we, we need to take care of our guys because Germany opened up their league to uh, fifteen imports. Yeah, you had uh, a ton of North Americans on your team, right? And yeah. um, most 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 European leagues are two imports, mm-hmm. but Germany's thought was if they brought in more talent, uh, their their German players who play in their and their Olympic team and their you know international team, they would get better mm-hmm. playing against better talent, right?" So they, so they opened the league to 15 imports. Guys kind of flooded over there. They were paying good money, and and it was a great experience for families and everything. You know, yeah. It, it, my two years in Germany was was fantastic. I had a mm-hmm. I had a great time. We had a great team. We had great teammates. Yeah. So anyway, Lenny uh, told the GM uh, to uh, to sign me, mm-hmm. and uh, he called me and signed me. And I had a back surgery while I was there, and then they signed me for the second year. I don't know if it was out of pity or, but it was, uh, you know, uh, the second year was, was a little crazy. We, we went through a couple coaches and it wasn't as much fun as the first year, but anyway, I had a great time in Germany. Now, was there something, uh, when you brought up Daniel Shank and you mentioned that you played with them here, was there a story, uh, with Daniel Shank from Germany or. So Shanker, Shanker was like, uh, a pain in my ass. Yes. Right. My whole career, whatever team he was on, he was always chirping, mm-hmm. kissing his stick after he scored. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's a, he, he had a face you want to punch, you know, immediately, <laughs> right? Yep. The year before Lenny left for Cleveland, uh, left for Germany, he played in San Antonio mm-hmm. with Dan Shank. Right. So me and Lenny contact, and uh, Lenny told me that Danny had married a uh, a girl that was a former stripper. Anyway, during the game. Uh, they came into Cleveland and we're playing the game and uh, I'm standing at the bench and sure enough, Danny starts chirping. Right. And I look over at him and I said, Danny, I said, is your wife on the trip? I said, I got a pocket full of ones here that are burnt. <laughs> they're, they're burning a hole in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't like that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, fast forward two years later. Now, we're in Germany, Lenny and I, mm-hmm. and we signed Dan Shank. Two months into the season, we signed Danny. He's coming over. So Bernie, the, the GM, calls me, and he's like, Rick, he said, I'm tied up. Can you run to the airport and pick up Danny and his wife <laughs> and, and their kid? <laughs> okay. 
And I'm like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> like, you know, at that point, I, I, I didn't like the fucker, right? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I go to the airport. I'm standing at the gate. And here comes this beautiful woman. And uh, she walks right up to me. And I'm, I'm kind of like trying not to stare at her, but I'm staring at her, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, she walks right up to me and she's like, hey, you still got those ones in your pocket? Ah, that's awesome. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, no way, man, no way. I was so embarrassed, dude. Uh, but then Danny come, you know, out of the, uh, out of the, uh, the, the, the tunnel there crying, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They caught me with my pants down. Well, listen, I think if, if people that are listening are old enough to have seen Dan play, I mean, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. He was a pain in the ass to play against. And I'm sure that you weren't the only one that made comments like that. And uh, so, I mean, I'm sure in the moment it, he got heat, but, you know, it, it's sort of like you put it in the in the back of your head. And then there are times like this where you could kind of bring it out and uh, and get the guy back tenfold. Yeah. So he played in Springfield, right? Yes. Mm hmm. Okay, so listen, I was I I was in Capital District, mm-hmm. and and Dan was in Springfield, and we went to play them, and it was the night before the game, and we went out to this little pub for a for a bite to eat and a, and a couple beers and whatever. Koharski was the referee the next night, and so Koho was sitting at the bar. So I walk over and I'm like, "Hey, bud, what's up?" And he's like, "Nothing, you know, just having a beer, whatever." And we start bullshitting a little bit. So, sure enough, we start with Dan Shank, and I'm like, uh, I hate that fucker, you know. And <laughs> yeah. and Koharski's like, oh, dude, he said my he's my least favorite guy I, I ref against, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I and uh, he looks at me and he said, I'll tell you what, Rick. He said, I'll give you a free one tomorrow <laughs> night. Now, I, I should be saying this, dude. Uh, like, but this is funny shit, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he said, I'll give you a free one. So I'm like seriously and he's like yeah dude he said you know take it easy but yeah, yeah. Give you free. <laughs> don't kill him but anyway we're in our zone dan's in front of the net right next to me right in front of me the play goes down toward their end mm-hmm. now koharski is skating up the boards about 10 feet in front of me and dan and i had an old wooden stuck stick right mm-hmm. an old uh canadian or coho whatever i was using I cross-checked Dan in the back. I tried to break his back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. My goddamn stick crack, dude. It, <laughs> and you could you could hear it through the whole rink. My stick cracking. And I look. I kind of look over at Coho, right? He's skating yeah. up the boards. He never even turned his head, bud. <laughs> he had his he had his head straight going down the boards. He wouldn't turn to look at me. Oh and, my uh, god! Like he didn't hear it. But yeah, yeah. I, people heard it in the parking lot. <laughs> That's awesome. Anyway, I get off the ice. A couple shifts later, uh, we're standing around waiting for the face-off, and Coho skates by. He goes, Jesus Christ, Hazy. <laughs> He's like, did you have to do it so loud? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that was funny. Oh, man. Well, you, you've uh, alluded to some players that you thought I may not like, and there's definitely someone who I don't like that you had a run-in with while you were in Germany, and it was an interleague game. Uh, you were involved something with Yarko Rutu. Now, I definitely don't like that guy. What what happened in that incident? Oh, uh, yeah, I don't like him either. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, he, uh, well, we were playing against Finland, mm-hmm. and uh, so uh, this interleague that they play is like the UEFA Cup of hockey. Mm-hmm. And uh, our team was in second place in our in our country the year before. So we were in this league and 
our team is full of old veterans that don't want to play extra games. Right. Right. Um, so we didn't even want to play these games, these UEFA games that we were, you know, forced into playing because we were in second place the year before. Anyway, we go into Finland, this Yerko Rutu's running around and John Shabbat was our captain. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, they were beating us like seven, one or something. It was ridiculous. Like no one wanted to play. Um, anyway, Rutu after the whistle, he runs, he runs Shabbat and I'm like, okay, that's enough. Mm-hmm. That's enough of this. So anyway, you saw a video, what happened? Like I, I kind of jumped in there and just started pounding on him and, uh, kind of gave it to him a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I was, I don't, I never got pissed when I fought really, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but I was pissed that night. Um, yeah. And so I, I kind of went overboard a little bit and, uh, just cause of the disrespect thing with, with John, right. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. uh, after the game, I, I was chirping at their, uh, at their, I forget who it was. Uh, it was a guy who played in the NHL, uh, Finnish guy. He was their coach and GM. And I said, don't, I said, don't bring Rutu to, to, uh, to Frankfurt. Cause we had to play home and away with him. Okay. I said, I said, don't bring him to, uh, to fucking uh, Frankfurt, it's not going to be good. Yeah. And, uh, anyway, they ended up signing Trevor Doyle <laughs> mm-hmm. <Yeah. laughs> from, from, from over here. And, uh, but unfortunately when Doyle came and Finland came to Frankfurt, I was having back surgery Oh, okay. Uh, mm-hmm. and I was in the hospital at the time. So, uh, Doyle, if you're listening, if you're hearing this, uh, you owe me a vacation because <laughs> I got you a paid vacation to Finland. You some bitch. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> Well, here's the, here's the ironic thing. Someone who I know is listening to this is a friend of mine from Finland who I know, I don't know if he still talks to him, but was friends with Trevor Doyle. So if they still talk, I'm sure they're going to, he'll, he'll definitely uh, give him the message. Well, there you go. Tell, tell Doyle he owes me a vacation, a paid vacation <laughs> somewhere. So you, you mentioned your second year in Frankfurt uh, didn't go, uh, it wasn't as much fun as the first one. And uh, was that part of the reason why you uh, you came back to North America for your final season? No, you know what? I can't, I, I retired in Germany. I, I uh, uh, after my last game there, I, uh, you know, I, I decided that was it. I didn't want to play no more. Right. Um, uh, I had, I had some obviously back issues. Yeah. So, you know, I heard other guys allude to this, like it's, you're never afraid in a hockey fight. You're never scared. Um, but it's the days, it's the days leading up to the game where you got, like I'm playing against that around. I got, there's five heavyweights there and I'm the only guy, right? Right. Uh, those, that's what, that's what eventually gets to you as a fighter, mm-hmm. uh, later in your career. Um, because of injuries, because of, you know, your age, uh, the youth of the guys and, and during my career, man, during, I had 15 year career during that 15 years, man, rookies went from being six foot to being six, five, you know, mm-hmm. 230 pounds and 4% body fat. Yep. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and I was six foot. I was a bigger guy when I was a rookie. Right. Yep. Um, so, uh, the size of these guys and they, you know, and, um, you know, all those factors, they weigh heavy on your, on your mind, um, yeah. at the, at the end of your career. So I, I, I decided in Germany, it was, uh, that was enough, you know, and uh, I came home. I was actually, uh, I, 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 I would like to know if other guys have gone through this. Like I was basically in a depression, mm-hmm. uh, and not, not, not a crazy depression where I was like you know, suicidal or right. anything like that, but I was depressed, uh, you know, like 
I'd stay up till four in the morning and sleep till noon, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, I started a little business and I was, I was making, uh, you know, enough money to, to pay bills. And, but I was just kind of idling through life for about two years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but the next year, uh, uh, after my, re- after I retired in Germany, uh, the next year at Christmas, I got a call from, uh, Jerry Fleming, mm-hmm. uh, he was down in Tallahassee. He wondered if I wanted to come down and be a player coach and kind of, you know, dip my foot into the coaching pool and, and play a little, you know, finish the season with his team. And I was like, yeah, sure, man. So I started skating with a junior team in uh, Cleveland, trying to get back in shape. And I was about a third of the way back in shape when I went to Florida. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I called Jerry on my way down and I said, Jerry, listen, man. I said, I am not in shape, man. I, I need a, I need a, you know, a couple of weeks of practice with you guys to get my timing back and get some, you know, get in shape. Yeah. Jerry's like, no problem, Rick. No problem, dude. When you get here, we'll, we'll get you set up, man. Dude, I got there. I played three and three. <laughs> I got there on a Thursday night late. We played Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And it was a Sunday afternoon game. And I was like, I was like, Jerry, what happened to that fucking conversation we just had Thursday, man? Like, what the uh, hell's going on here? Dude, I was in coma by Monday. Well, I, I couldn't move. And, and you're talking about the size of the rookies that are coming in. And I don't know if these guys are on the team at the time, but we're, the three guys I'm going to ask you about are perfect examples of you talk about the size discrepancy and I'll start with the biggest guy. Was Mitch Fritz there when you were there? He was man. Mitch was a good kid. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I really liked Mitch. Um, yeah. He's big. Yeah, dude. He's <laughs> six, seven, whatever he is. He's huge. Actually, um, we had a break in the season mm-hmm. and, uh, I took Mitch down to, uh, Key West. Uh, my parents had a place down there and, uh, we caught a 10 foot shark together, Mitch and I. Did he uh, catch it with his hands? Uh, no, he, uh, that shark, he was a little bit afraid of the shark. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, we had, we had, uh, a, a super great time. Uh, Mitch and I, that, that little jaunt down to, uh, down to the keys. How did you, <laughs> you're talking about being retired. I could see how someone would go and play in Florida, you know, kind of ride out the career going down, playing with, uh, with an old buddy. And then how do you end up in Anchorage, Florida? In Tallahassee, Jerry Fleming called me in the office and he said, Rick, he said, there's something going on here, man. He said, I, I really don't want you to be part of it. You got to, you got to, you got to skedaddle out of here, man. Get out of here. The ownership. I, I don't know exactly what happened, Joe. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I really don't like talking about it cause I, I don't know what happened for sure, but yeah. there was rumor that the ownership told the league that they were paying guys more than they're showing on their contracts. They basically told the league they were cheating. Uh, and so we, they were in first place or second place when, when this happened Yeah, and the league took away like 30 points and, and they, they didn't make the playoffs or they, they barely made the play or something because of this. Wow. Uh, yeah. So the players ended up suing the ownership, man. It was, it was, it was just a, it was a, it was a donkey show, right? Wow. Yeah. You're not supposed to tell the league if you're paying guys under the table, right? Like yeah. black money, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, Anyway, I, I don't know exactly what happened. I shouldn't talk about it because I don't right, know. Right. But, but uh, as, as far as I know, that's what happened. Anyway, I talked to my, I had an agent at the time. He was a, you know, guy helping me out. And I said, uh, you know, is there any place else for me to go? And he said, you know what, dude? He said, I can get you to Anchorage, Alaska. Mm-hmm. 
if you want to go out there and finish the season. And I said, man, I, I would love to go to Alaska. Uh, yeah, man, I, I'll do it. A uh, big mistake. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. So this is what happened. I walk into, I fly into Alaska. I get there, you know, taxi to the hotel where I'm supposed to go. The hotel is owned by the owner of the team. Okay. And, and all the players stay at this hotel. Okay. Right? All the players live at this hotel. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Even guys with families and everything? Yeah, families, everybody, everybody. I walk in the hotel, and Vinny Riendo, he's walking out. I said, hey, Vinny, what's up, man? I I said, are you playing here? And he's like, dude, I'm leaving. He said, I'm not playing here. And he said, bud, good luck. Really? He he, he, He said, I cannot get to the airport quick enough. No shit. And I said, I said, why? What's going on? He said, bud, just... I can't even tell you. You, you, you think I'm lying. Anyway, I go to my room, I get checked in, I go to my room, I go downstairs because we had like these tickets that we could eat at the bar. Mm-hmm. I go downstairs, there's a guy drinking and smashing shit. They're trying to grab a hold of this guy and they throw him out the door, you know. I step out of the way and they throw this guy through the door and, and out in the street. And uh, there's a guy standing there, and he looks like a hockey player. And I'm like, hey, are you on the Anchorage team? And he's like, yeah. And I said, well, I'm Rick. I just got here. And he shakes my hand. And I said, I said, who the fuck's that guy? And uh, I said, he's a troublemaker, huh? He goes, oh, no, that's the assistant coach. No, fuck. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you? He's the assistant coach and GM of the team. Wow. And they just, they just threw him out in the street, right? He was so drunk he couldn't even stand. Holy shit! Oh, that, so that was my introduction to Anchorage, Alaska. Well, you, you ended up staying there for fifteen games, and just judging by your story, I'm surprised you stayed there for any. Wow, it was uh, yeah. I mean, we we had some good road trips and stuff, you know, yeah. man. Like uh, it was actually a pretty cool team. Uh, it, it was a weird team though. The, the guys, uh, some of the guys were local. They were, uh, you know. Uh, they they kind of were clicky a little. It was a, it was a strange uh, mix of guys there. Um, anyway, it was uh, you know I, I enjoyed it for mm-hmm. what it was worth and uh, uh, kind of ended 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 things there. You know. After that, the I, I, next thing I saw that you did was uh, uh, the, and I, there may have something in between, but the next thing I saw a record of was you ended up uh, going to uh, Gatineau to be an assistant coach in two thousand six. I don't know if there was anything hockey related in between that. How did you end up uh, with the assistant coach position? So in junior, I lived with Ben Gru, uh, his 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 dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I had known Ben. Um, ben was uh, a midget when uh, Luke and I and and the guys were th- our third year. Uh, ben, we missed Ben by one year. Okay, uh, so I never played against him. But then Ben went to, uh, he played junior and then he went to uh, Europe. He played over in Europe for a couple of years. Never played against him. But anyway, I, I knew him through his dad. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, and Charlie Henry has always been uh, super nice to me. Uh, he, he was still the GM there. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I, I, I called Charlie and uh, said, hey, is there any chance of me helping out? You know, like I getting in there. And, and Ben uh, really wanted me to come out and help and uh show the guys some some tricks fighting tricks and whatnot and uh so he ended up making me this the second assistant basically uh 
um, but it was, it was a decent experience, you know, mm-hmm. did you just do it for the one season? Yeah, I just did it for the one year. Um, like I, I, I run a construction company, um, and the practices were at, uh, you know, two o'clock, three o'clock in the afternoon or whatever. And, and it tore a hole in my day, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, I wasn't making any money going there and doing it and it's a, about an hour drive from my house. Mm-hmm. So I was spending a lot of time, uh, you know, I mean, if, if, if there was a chance of, uh, of moving up into coaching, right. you know, maybe, but I, I had a couple coaching experiences that didn't go great. And, uh, right. and they, uh, it kind of soured me on the, on the whole coaching thing, you know, I gotcha. Um, so next thing I want to talk about, and this is something that I asked your permission about, and, and you spoke to your son, um, for some people that know me, I, I always try to say that, uh, kind of live live life to the fullest whenever you can because uh life can change in an instant and uh, it's not always positive um you know so if you don't mind if you kind of discuss um what happened in 2018 to your son Bo yeah um like uh it's a tough tough deal man like yeah <clears throat> so i i was uh i was at cottage and it was sunday morning about six in the morning and uh my my daughter came she was at we, we were having a family reunion and my son was there the week weekend before, but he had to go back to Toronto to work. And then he was, he had a week booked in Sudbury with his buddies fishing in Sudbury for that weekend. So, so he stayed, uh, the last weekend, he stayed till like Monday or Tuesday. He took a day or two off work and, and then he had to take off the following weekend. He went to Sudbury to a place he'd been going three or four years in a row, um, doing some fishing and swimming and whatnot. And, uh, so it was Sunday morning and, about six in the morning, my daughter came pounding on our, our bedroom door and, uh, came running in, uh, with her phone. And she said, uh, Mike's on the phone and which was Bo's uh, friend. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I took the phone and, uh, Mike was in a big panic and, uh, you know, he, he was, I couldn't understand him. And I, I yelled at him to settle down and tell me what was going on. Like, and, uh, he, he said that Bo had dove into, uh, the lake where they were staying and, uh, hit the bottom. Uh, it was a sandy bottom and he, he hit the bottom and, uh, he broke his neck. And, uh, when he, when he broke his neck, uh, it was, it was at two in the morning. Uh, they were, they were having a few drinks and they were in a, in a sauna and then they ran down to the dock and, uh, as a, as a come to the end of the dock one kid uh, there was three of them and two of them dove in uh bo dove one way and uh, dove the other so it was pitch dark out two in the morning <clears throat> and uh you know after a few seconds they're like where's bo you know yeah. and uh so uh at this point bo had hit the bottom uh he he heard his neck snap and oh. now he was on his he was face down in the water and he was paralyzed he, and he was floating. He said he could, he could, he could feel like the air on his back. He was in the water and he couldn't lift his head. He couldn't move. And he, he said he panicked for a, a split second. Yeah. And then he, the year before him and his girlfriend took a six month trip to uh, Asia mm-hmm. and he got, while we were there, he got his master's diving license. Okay. Um, he immediately snapped into, um, okay, I, I have to quit panicking. I have to conserve my air. And hope that Mike finds me, right? Yeah. And so he started 
holding his breath and letting little air bubbles out. He, he, uh, he explains this better, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah, he got to the end of his, his air and he had to suck in a, you know, he had to suck in air yeah. and he sucked in the water and he said it was just like a movie. Uh, as he sucked that water in, uh, everything just kind of went black, you know, real slowly. And, uh, and at that moment, his friend found him, uh, they, they, they were searching now and, and he heard a gurgle when, when Bo sucked the water in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, he found him maybe, uh, 15, 20 seconds. And these two guys were, uh, you know, little guys compared to my son, who's maybe six, one, two, two fifteen at the time. Right. Mm-hmm. And these guys are five, eight, you know. 135 pounds, you know, um, they, they wrestled with him to get him on the dock. Um, and basically he was dead, uh, drowned. Um, so the one kid was panicking and the other kid said to him, Hey man, like, uh, step away. You got to let me do the CPR. Mm-hmm. This kid had learned CPR one month before at his job. Oh my God. Uh, he took a CPR course at his job a month before. Jeez. And while he was taking the course, he said to himself, I'll never use this. Right. This is a waste of time. A month later, he's saving his friend, right? His best friend. Wow. Anyway, um, he starts, you know, pumping and breathing and doing this thing. And, uh, you know, Bo spit up some water and, uh, and he came back. Yeah. He, he brought him back. Um, so now they're, they're, they're on a, they're on a, a native reservation in Sudbury mm-hmm. and two months before they had just put a new cell tower up. So if they hadn't put that cell tower up, there would, would not been cell service. Uh, wow. and, and they would have had to drive five kilometers to get cell service. Jeez. So a lot of, a lot of things happened in this accident that was on our side, you know, yeah. you know, as Bo's laying there uh, waiting for this ambulance that they've called now, um, they asked him to squeeze their fingers and, uh, he, he couldn't, he couldn't squeeze anything. Um, and he couldn't feel anything from his, from his chin down. Right. And, uh, so you, you, you could imagine the panic and, uh, yeah. and the fear and, you know, all of that, um, as you're waiting and riding, you know, you get the ambulance gets there and you got to, they were, I, I don't know how far they were from the hospital. I don't know how long it took to get there. Anyway, at, when I got the call at six in the morning, uh, Bo was at the door of the operating room, ready to go in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Mike, uh, you know, put Bo on the phone. He held the phone up for him and, uh, and Bo said, uh, you know, he said, dude, I, I, uh, I really screwed up this time, you know, like, uh, you know, that, that, that call, you know, I mean, everybody goes through bad shit in their life, but yeah. th- that friggin' call is just not the one you want to get, you no. know, uh, no. um, it's, it's, uh, it's horrifying, you know? And, yeah. uh, so, you know, my, my, my immediate thought was tell this, tell this kid to chin up mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, man up and let do what they got to do to fix you. Right. Right. I, 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 I wanted to, I wanted to show him some strength. I wanted to strengthen his resolve, you know? Mm-hmm. 
uh, and I, I said to him, I said, dude, uh, because he said to me, he said, I'm, I'm too scared. You know, he said, I'm really scared. I don't, I don't know what, what's going on. I, I said, Bo, all you can do is let these people fix you, you know, let them do what they got to do. They, they know what's wrong with you. They're going to go in and fix it. And then we'll deal with what comes later. Right. right. And, uh, dude, I, I hung up the phone and just like, uh, it was weird. It was weird. It was surreal. Like, like your whole world just ends, you know? And, uh, the next thought that went through my head, I, 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 like Joe, I, 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 I feel ashamed almost of, of the thought that went in my head, but my, my son, uh, was ADHD his whole life. Uh, one thing to the next, you know, when he's doing one thing, he's thinking about doing something else. Right. Yeah. And, um, my, my thought was, man, this kid is not going to be happy the rest of his life. He, he, he just can't, um, if he can't move. If he's paralyzed, um, he's, he's going to be a miserable human being. You know what I mean? And I'm like, you know, I had this thought that, um, you know, like dying wouldn't be a bad thing, you know? And dude, as a parent, I, I can't even, I can't even, I, I almost can't forgive myself for thinking that, you know, but in the moment I, I was, I was thinking that that might be the best thing. You know, I, I, it's said. A, it's such a horrible feeling. Um, and I, I've, I've discussed this with Bo and, uh, you know, I, I, and, you know, anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm it's, it's just, it's just not something you want to feel as a parent, right. you know, yeah. it's, uh, I, I, uh, we had, we had a three hour drive to get to the hospital and I told Bo, I said, getting it, getting the surgery there. I said, by the time you wake up, we're going to be there, you know? Uh, walking into his room when I got there, you know, seeing him, yeah. uh, was just uh, devastating again, you know, yeah, I'm sure. and, uh, I, uh, he says to me right away, um, you know, when I fuck things up, I really fuck them up, you know? Yes. And, and I, I'm like, I'm like, this kid's telling jokes, yeah. you know what I mean? Yep. He's five minutes out of surgery. He's paralyzed and he's telling jokes. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I was amazed, you know, and, uh, I'll tell you what, Joe, this kid has acted like that every day since, like I, I could go on and on for hours about this, uh, yeah. like what we went through, but, um, I, I can't, I can't even, uh, tell you how proud I am of, of Bo Hayward, mm -hmm. uh, for being the man that he is like he, uh, he faces every day with, uh, with fearlessly, you know, yeah. um, he, uh, um, he, he tries to come up with things every day that other people don't have to do shit for him. Right. Like to take a drink of coffee in the morning. Yeah. You know, he's got a straw and he puts his cup a certain way and, um, you know, so, so, uh, final prognosis with Bo is he, he's paralyzed from the chest down, uh, his arms, uh, work, um, but his hands don't work. Okay. Um, and his triceps aren't overly strong. They're, they're relatively weak. Right. So with, with the movement that he has, this guy 
tries to find ways to do as much for himself as he possibly can. Like every single day he's positive mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, um, I look back at, at hockey and, uh, you know, all of us look back at our lives and we're all worried about the little things in life. And, uh, this kid has opened my eyes to, uh, what a real, what a real soldier, a real man is, right? Like absolutely. he faces this thing, he faces this thing with no fear. And, uh, just, uh, you know, I don't know if he wants me to talk about this, but a couple of weeks ago, it's been almost three years now, mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago, he went through a little bit of a dark area where he, um, where he allowed himself to grieve a little about his state, uh, where he's at. And, um, I told him, uh, he called me and, uh, he said he was going through this thing and he was having trouble. And I said, but I've been waiting for three years for this, you know? Um, I said, it's okay, man. It's okay to, to grieve. It's okay to, to, uh, give yourself a break. And he's like, dad, man, I, I try to be positive every single day. Cause I don't want anybody around me to feel, feel sorry for me, you know? Right. And I'm like, dude, you go ahead and feel sorry for yourself a little bit and you be a little bit and you take care of yourself. Right. Like right. I said, we're all, we're all good. You've made us, you've made us proud. You've made us, us good. Right. Um, you made it easy on us by being so strong mm-hmm. and, um, uh, yeah, I, you know, like, again, I could go on forever yeah. about, about things. And, uh, but I tell you what, uh, this, it was life changing, uh, for all of us. And, uh, you know, to be honest with you, Joe, it's, it's not all bad. Yeah. Um, uh, my relationship with my son is amazing now, you know, uh, we kind of refound each other mm-hmm. and, um, it's taken our relationship to a different level. Uh, um, you know, like no means by no means is it easy, yeah. uh, going through that, but you know, he, he does it graciously, man. Yeah. No. And, um, you know, I, well, first of all, uh, I appreciate, uh, Bo, you know, giving you permission to talk about that. I appreciate it. And, uh, I appreciate you being willing to talk about it. And, um, you know, I know that, uh, we had discussed that there is a GoFundMe, uh, to help Bo because, um, you know, and if it's okay, when, uh, when I post this interview, I would like to, to post that for people in case anyone is able to, um, get any kind of donation and, uh, you know, to, to help out at all. If it's okay with you guys, I'd like to post that as well. Um, yeah, sure, man. That's, uh, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's a touchy one with Bo, you know, he's yeah. very proud and everything. And, uh, uh like, uh, I'll tell you, uh, Joe, the, uh, one of the, one of the highlights of this tragedy is the outpouring of, of people. Uh, I, like I, I listened to Dino, uh, to Dean Ewan's, uh, interview the other day. And, uh, you know, with the tragedy in his family, uh, mm-hmm. the same thing, he said the same thing, uh, you know, the outpouring of support, uh, from, from players. And, uh, you know, I told you the other day on the phone, uh, a lot of the players were all t- guys that I fought against, yeah. uh, that, that, you know, that heard about it and, and, uh, 
lent, uh, you know, some, some support and, uh, you know, uh, and, uh, I, again, like, like Dino, I appreciate, uh, every single, every single person that, uh, that did and, uh, and that has had us in their thoughts, you know, mm-hmm. uh, had Bo in their thoughts. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, it's a real, real inspirational story because, uh, you know, and I'm, I won't go too far into it because who am I to necessarily say anything? I, I, I haven't been through what you guys have been through, but from, from someone on the outside, um, to hear the message and just know what, what he's been through just secondhand, obviously it's nothing I could relate to, but what, it's a pretty inspirational story the fact that he has this drive and 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 uh you know never to give up and wanting to be independent and everything so you know for what it's worth i mean uh you know like i i said it already but uh this really is an inspirational story and and i hope people uh you know people can get something out of it you know because like you say everybody has their own stuff that they're going through but it's all relative and uh you know i would i would venture to guess that um you know, has been through more than a lot of people and uh he's still out there fighting so uh so you know it's definitely something that i i will take inspiration from and and i'm happy to help in any way that i can yeah man thank you i appreciate that i appreciate you taking using this forum and uh, getting some word out there and uh um yeah it's special man thank you yeah you're welcome and well i mean bo, uh, bo has a bo ha- actually has a blog too that uh it walks the story and, and it's kind of, he's kind of blogging every, every, you know, six months or a year or whatever to, mm-hmm. to let people know where he's at because he appreciates, you know, all the uh, support and, and everything that everybody's shown him and uh, all the love, you know? So, yeah. so I, I'll get that blog to you too. Maybe you can post that. Or Absolutely. Whatever. Perfect. Uh, so, uh, you know, on that note, uh, you know, when we, when we first started, I, I had, uh, I had asked you the first question and that's the first question I ask everybody who, you know, who were you as a kid? And, uh, first of all, uh, what everyone should know is that with the amount of time that we've talked tonight, this is definitely going to be a two part episode, but everybody needs to know that we just hit the five hour mark. Uh, believe it or not, Rick, we've been <laughs> chatting now for five hours straight. So even though people, when they listen to this, this is going to be the end of part two. Uh, I, I, I really just, uh, you know, really grateful the fact that you gave me literally, literally over five hours of day to talk about your career and everything like that. So I really, first of all, just want to say thank you for that. And uh, I always end it with the same thing. So even though we've been talking for, for five hours, um, you had a very long and, and successful career. Is there anything about your career that uh, that I didn't bring up that you'd like to to put out there for people to know? You know, that, that, that's a great question. And, um, there, there isn't really anything more I want people to know, Joe, uh, we went over some, you know, some funny stuff and, uh, earlier, um, the important thing to me and, and, you know, like I, I look on these fighting websites and stuff and, um, at the end of the day, it, if I know my teammates were, were proud of me and, uh, and I did my job for them. That's what's important to me, and and the, the the guys you talk to and the words they had uh, means a lot. And at the end of the day, uh, like I said, we uh, we all want to know that uh, that we took care of our our buddies, and uh, as tough guys, we we took care of our teammates, right? And mm-hmm. and uh, if they appreciated it, 
then then we must have done something right. And uh, that's what's important to me is to uh, to hope that I was uh, a decent teammate to get to these guys because I love them like brothers, you know. So that's it, man. That's yeah. that's all I want. That's all I want to say, man. Well, I will uh, again. I will thank you for this immense amount of time, and um, you know, just hopefully, you know, send me whatever links you have, and and I'll post it, and uh, you know, hopefully, we'll keep in touch uh, going forward. Right on, man. All right. Well, thanks, Rick, and uh, have a great night. Yeah, you're doing a great thing there, Joe, and, uh, you know, all, all the boys appreciate it, I'm sure. Yeah, well, I, I appreciate you saying that. It's, uh, you know, as I tell everybody, uh, you know, that nobody's tuning in to listen to me. So without you guys and without uh, your stories and without you being generous with your time and being so open and honest, uh, this show doesn't exist. So uh, so really, I appreciate what you said and what all the other boys say, but uh, this show is nothing without you guys. So I extend my thanks to, to you and, and everybody else. Right on, man. All right. Good night, Rick. All right, man. Good night. See you. Bye. Thanks again for the time, Rick. Uh, That was uh, an unbelievable interview. You were an amazing guest. Uh, Thank you for sharing the story about Bo. And thank you to Bo for allowing Rick to tell the story. Uh, There's really not a lot to say, honestly. I've actually stopped and started recording this outro about four times because each and every time I get kind of lost for words because I really don't know what to say. And I end up rambling, I think, because I'm so in awe of uh, of what a warrior bow is, and um, and then I end up getting everything all kind of jumbled because at a certain point I say too much, and then at a certain point I get lost for words. But um, you know, but I'm sure that uh, after hearing that, bow bow has a lot a lot of new people in his corner. And, uh, I just, like I said, thank you to Rick and Bo for allowing, uh, allowing Rick to tell that side of the story. So, uh, with that, I just want to wish everybody a great week. Like I said, happy Thanksgiving to all my Canadian friends and happy Columbus day to everybody. I hope you people have a great week and everybody out there stay safe.